0: I had sex with the so, ghost. With a ghost? Yeah. Yes. But you can't wrap your arms around the ghost. No. So how, what, how physically, how does oh. how, how does the sex bit happen? You, you can still feel it. Like, it felt, it was kind of, it's difficult to explain. Like a weight. It's kind of a weight, but at the same time weightless, and like a physical, there's the breath and stroking. Mm. And does a sexual experience with a ghost end in orgasm? Um, for me. Yeah. I can't say, wow. And fan well, for the ghost. I just hope so. <laughs> ah, listen, living, listening to the Synchronon. Sick Cichon and Ron. Yes. you listen to the Synchronon. The
1: Sick and wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, East Simon, and it is official. We have a new Sick and Wrong host for Sick and Wrong 3.0. It's my pleasure to introduce Kate Rambo.
2: Hey, guess who?
1: Kate, the suspense was killing everybody. Everyone's like, who's it going to be? <laughs> who is it going to be? People are up for days, nights. You know, having these anxiety attacks, like who's it going to be?
2: I don't know if you just heard that then, but that's the sound of about 10 man children and maybe a couple of couple of older women in their 40s who thought they could fix Harrison just turning off,
1: just throwing their, just throwing their (laughs) iPhones to the ground, just dashing them. Fuck this. Never listening to it again. Fuck this podcast.
2: And doing a man's job <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm happy that you're going to be uh, Taken on the mantle You know
2: Yeah, I'm excited
1: And it's not going to be easy I mean, you have uh, very large shoes to fill Like seriously, Harrison mm-hmm. had massive feet I'd say at least a Please. size 14 Fucking Bigfoot, mm-hmm. that guy And I'm assuming <laughs> That you have petite feet
2: I do indeed have mm-hmm. petite feet
1: Yes but, um, I mean, it's, you know, if you think about it, this is kind of, you know, we, we do have one of the longest running indie podcasts. I mean, it started in 2006 and January it's going to be fucking 15 years, which is kind of crazy. Um, when, when did you start listening to the show?
2: Just only a couple of years ago. I was never around for the wackily years, but when I became a patron, I like, I listened Let's to, start like, going a ton to of- the archives. Yeah, I went through some of the archives and listened to the Wackily years. But it's as for recent co-hosts, it's just have been a Harrison.
1: And uh, how did you find the show originally?
2: Actually, I'll give another podcast a shout out here. I, li- I used to, I, well, I still listen to it. It's called Hollywood Crime Scene. It's these two girls who are also in Hollywood. It's kind of like the female version of your show, but it's not as disgusting. Although they do talk about people <laughs> shitting themselves a lot on there. What? And um, they used to have style. a Facebook group, which they've since given up on, because it was getting too much work for them. But they, uh, it was, you know, people would commonly be like, whatever podcast do you listen to? And somebody on the thread said, sick and wrong podcast. And that D has a hairless cat, just like, just like one of the hosts of Hollywood crime scenes. So I was like, Oh, I'll give that a listen. And because I, I listened to like 50 hours of podcasts a week, I listened to it. And I was like, Yeah, this is the best podcast. I've heard in a long, long time.
1: You're just saying.
2: And now that. I'm on it. <laughs> You're yeah. just saying
1: that. You know this uh, Hollywood crime scene. She seems like my female doppelganger.
2: Mm-hmm. She's she also Jewish. Cat.
1: She's Jewish. she oh, tattooed? Sadly, she got like black ink all not over tattooed, her body. Okay. No,
2: but sadly the hairless cat Romy, she died just this oh, year. Oh,
1: that's a bummer.
2: So they don't yeah, live that long.
1: They really don't.
2: I think she was like ten, and she was a rescue sphinx as well.
1: Oh well, well, yeah. it is. Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely an arduous task here being a co-host of this wretched podcast. I mean, I would say it's a bit more than a hobby, but not quite a mm-hmm. full time gig. Like it's not quite a full time oh. job, you know.
2: Like being in a band.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like being in a band. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, you're a bit like that Filipino kid who became the lead singer of Journey. You know what I'm talking about that. That I forget his name. Yes, but he was and like you know, I, Neal, Neil Sean found him on YouTube and was like, "This guy, you know, he's got some chops." But but I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, you're kind of like that Filipino kid. But then I thought, you're actually you're more like Henry Rollins.
2: I actually think I'm more like the recent singer of Discharge.
1: I guess possibly was he uh, like the lead? Was he like the head of the fan club or something?
2: Yeah, he lived out in Boston, and now he lives on Stoke-on-Trent.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, oh, is he, now he, he moved from Boston to Stoke-on-Trent?
2: Stoke-on-Trent, because he loves this chat. He wanted to be in the band so badly. So I often wonder if he's like, this wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in
1: 1981, Black Flag played a show in Washington, D.C., and a superfan named Rollins asked if he could uh, play a song... You know, the song clocked in and they're like sure yeah. but you gotta sing it and so he went up there and he sang it and they're like wow this guy you know has got some chops you a good job and dez kadina at the time was thinking about switching to guitar and so they had him come in and do an actual audition and then he became the lead singer
2: yeah, they were like, "Never mind his Aspergers. Let's just get him in
1: the bunch." <laughs> See, you you kind of have Aspergers. You know, you're yeah, new an to a, of a punk band. You audition <laughs> for the show. You're a fan of the show. Next thing you know, now you're a co-host.
2: This is what they call living the dream.
1: <laughs> but you know what? The, the what impressed me about you is you got an encyclopedic knowledge of true crime, World War II. And a whole like bevy of assorted evil facts that I don't even know why you remember these things. I really, yeah, wonder it's weird about how that. my
2: brain can absorb like that information, but it can
1: also was it be last, nowhere in life. Was it last <laughs> week? <laughs> it must have been last week when you hosted the show where you like was like, Carla Faye Tucker is the last woman to be executed in Texas. It was just like, how did you know that? Like,
2: yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I would remember that. <laughs> I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know what? Uh, you're also one of the only guest hosts that we had who actively promoted the show afterwards. And, uh, you know, I appreciated that. And, it, you know, I think it's, I think it's, a, you know, over the past couple of months, it's been a cool experience having, you know, different listeners come on and be guest hosts of the show. And I got to say, it warmed my cold black heart to have all these people reach out to me and offer their support, you know, in my Hour of Need. I was like, you know what, we got a pretty fucking cool audience, and a lot of people, you know, have been listening since like you know single digit episodes, and you know, and I would say, that, you know, no one likes change, change, and I don't even like change. I mean, change can be can be good, change can be bad, but sometimes you know the show has to continue to devolve, and mm-hmm. uh, so I'm hoping that you know the uh, the listeners welcome me with devil horns, shots of whiskey. You know, and I am looking forward to hosting 3.0 with you. Sick wrong 3.0. So Me too. Thanks
2: yeah. for having me.
1: Thanks for taking on the mantle there, Kate. So you're, mm-hmm. this is your first official show as co-host, and it happens to be the Halloween show. Um, no. So happy Halloween.
2: Yes, thank you.
1: I got to say, it's utterly tragic that you don't celebrate Halloween in the UK. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that. It's,
2: yeah, it's not like, Halloween in America is at all. In fact, like, I would go so far as to say that if people are knocking on your door here, you don't answer your door. I don't <laughs> answer
3: my door.
1: But I mean, I guess I never had it when I was growing up in South Africa. You know, it wasn't a thing that we had. But Is it that, not a
2: thing there either?
1: No, I mean, I, I don't think it's really a thing outside of the US. But I, I, but I mean, it. Well, I was wondering, like, what about all those women... You know, you know, the Northern birds who want to dress up in slutty Halloween costumes.
2: Oh, that still happens, but I mean that happens all year round.
1: Is that just everyday life for the Northern birds?
2: Day, you know, you can just be like, Oh yeah, it's I was about to use the name Patricia then. <laughs> I don't know anyone named Patricia. <laughs> it's not even a slutty name. But right, you'll be like, Oh yeah, it's Patricia's twenty fifth birthday, so let's all go as nurses.
1: What's well, like That's a typical it, you know, Northern Slag's name?
2: <laughs> Patricia Patricia,
1: is that Pat, Pat?
2: <laughs> Butcher um, English listeners will know
1: Well you've never even You said you never even had candy corn Before and that is a fucking Travesty
2: Yeah it's banned in the UK There's a, I think it's the red food colouring is a carcinogenic Over here
1: so, so you've It's never- a
2: carcinogenic over there too <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, but we don't give a shit about that. Look at us. Mm. Um, you know, I'm going gonna—I'm surprised you guys don't have candy corn. Maybe th- maybe they're just like, we don't want your teeth looking any worse, you know, because it's a lot <laughs> of sugar. It's a lot of sugar. Um, I'm going to ship you some. I'm going to ship you some. I'm going to ship you a care package of candy corn, mainly because it's almost Halloween. And, uh, it and the day after Halloween, it's like, I don't know, 70% off. So um, the Jew in me is like, you know, that's a good gift.
2: Well, yeah, I also appreciate discounted goods. <laughs> Being so, British. Okay. Save money.
1: For all intents and purposes, Halloween sort of I would say started in the UK. It did. Yeah, because With the pagans. it's Yeah, well, it uh, dates back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain.
2: Mm-hmm. That's you know? um that's probably my favorite era of Danzig.
1: it is a a damn good danzig era you know and he loves halloween but you know the kelts lived two thousand years ago and then that whole area of ireland you know united kingdom and all that um and it's like you know they 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 believe that on the night before the new year which their new year is november 1st the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead become blurred so they celebrated samhain um so i don't get it why don't you guys have fucking halloween parties like what happened? When did they ban Halloween?
2: It's not like Halloween's banned. I I've had, I've had a few friends who like do the house up and they have Halloween parties. It's just it's just not an industry like it is in America. I was watching a thing where it said it's supposed 9 million or 9 billion a year, I can't remember which one, is going to be made from Halloween. That's we, like that's got nothing to do with anything to do with paganism anymore. That's to do with it's just with consumerism, baby. Yeah, yeah.
1: consumerism. You know, you guys don't have the. Uh, have you ever experienced the phenomenon of a spirit Halloween store?
2: No, but uh, they would probably they would sell over here. People well, love stuff like that.
1: It is weird, the spirit Halloween stores. It's like usually it, it they, they come into like a carcass of an abandoned store. So there'll be a store, like a Payless shoe store that went out of business six months ago. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, September, you're like, there's a spirit Halloween store here now. And then they like this year, obviously because of COVID, they're not as prevalent. But typically there'll be like a fucking like spirit Halloween store every three blocks. And they all sell the same shit.
2: We have Christmas stars like that, that just start popping up around this time of year that sell baubles and whatnot.
1: So when you were growing up, were you jealous of the colonists that got to celebrate Halloween?
2: Oh, totally. Totally. (laughs) I've always wanted to experience an American Halloween.
1: After you watched the movie Halloween?
2: Halloween. Yeah, that's one of my all time favorite movies.
1: You know, uh, honestly, I would say growing up, um, Devil's Night was more fun.
2: The night
1: before. Devil's Night's the... uh, Yeah, so it'd be Friday this year. But October 30th, the night before Halloween, that's when, like, all the teens would get really drunk and we'd uh, Uh just go out and make a... Have a ruckus time, Drano bombs, yep. smashing mailboxes, like tagging things,
2: TPing. Oh, yeah. TPing,
1: yeah. But <laughs> we were we were a bit more destructive because we would like full on go out tagging on skateboards and shit. And then you're all it always end up just getting chased by the cops because that was part of the fun, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in Detroit, people, you know, if you ever go there on Devil's Night, they burn the whole city down. Which uh, people have always said that's like all the tenement houses are lit on fire, which I think people said is more of an insurance scam, which is probably oh, true. Every, uh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is pro- probably true, but I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so the, um, this is the Halloween show. And uh, Kate, I got to ask you a question, a serious question. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in ghosts?
2: I do not believe in ghosts, but I love ghost stories.
1: Have you ever had any kind of paranormal encounter?
2: I've had one odd occurrence, but nothing that's made me go, oh, yeah, there's something out there.
1: Well, how odd? Was it like something, like a book fell off a table, or was someone writing, like, you know, words on the mirror?
2: No, I used to work in one of the oldest pubs in Britain, and a king used to live in this pub. and
1: a drunk king? So it's
2: very, very, very old. An evil king, actually. Well, it's not, it depends which way you view it from, but he was an evil king of England. And uh, I was halfway between where the very old original bar was and the new bar is. That was in like the, the kind of corridor of it. And I thought a chef had walked past me because I felt something poke me in the ribs. And the chefs would often walk behind you to go... To the kitchen through this corridor.
1: Wait, was he wearing like a, like a, was Do the chefs wear those big white chef hats?
2: Not the chefs where I work, no, but they were, yeah. every chef wear, wears whites in the kitchen. But oh. I jumped because I felt something poke me in the ribs, and my manager saw me and she was like, What happened? I was like, Oh, did it, like, I can't see, like, you know, the chef, what has he just walked past? She was like, There's nothing like, there, what, There's no one there. But I dun, dun, dun. felt something poke me in the ribs. So you got and it poked was very by a weird. ghost. <laughs> I got poked by a ghost. <laughs> and the other thing when you would walk through the back part was very spooky. Nobody liked walking through this back part. Even with the lights on, it always felt like it was always very cold and nobody liked it. And That's I used a to sign just, like, of a ghost. Constantly, apparently so, yeah, when it's very cold. I used to just whistle. As I walked through, but other people would run through just to get it. But I'd I'd walk through wait Did you
3: have
1: to go there to get the kegs or something? Like you had to go through it was like we'd have to walk that was like the
2: the shortcut to the kitchen was walking through this like cold roomy bit. And you could go upstairs and see the king's bedroom. And I've never been in a colder room in my life than in like this old king's bedroom. It had his bed and his um like, all his furniture it Was it, it.
1: cold during changed. the summer?
2: Yeah, and that's when I went in, and I just did not like it. I was like, I don't like it in here. Let's you leave. just
1: skeeved you out.
2: Yes. Did you ever go there at, like, 3 a.m.? <laughs> it would have been after the pub closed, so it could have been, like, at 12 or 1.
1: Hmm. I wonder if uh, if you would have been diddled by this ghost had you went into his bedroom at, like, 3 a.m. And
2: laid, laid in his bed and asked for it.
1: You know, I had an ex-girlfriend in the Bay Area who, uh, I mean, she claimed she was sexually assaulted by a ghost. Like she Seriously? Said, yeah, no, she, she was like, and it was weird, too, because it was, it's not like she was living in some, like, ancient home. Um, I guess, I don't know, They there apparently was a murder there in the 60s. but I mean, the home was probably, I don't know, it was in the uh, Berkeley Hills. I would say the home was probably built maybe mid to late 60s there was I think it was a suicide or a murder someone died in there in the home but anyway she was saying that like the second day she moved in there or the second night she was sleeping in her bed and she felt all this weight on top of her and she said it was kind of hard to breathe and she said she felt something enter her <laughs> yeah and, and before you ask it wasn't you know Bill Cosby is ghost dad maybe <laughs> I I felt
2: something
1: enter me What she would tell me about this I would kind of laugh and she'd get really upset Because she was so serious about it She's like something entered me And I was just like I'm saying something entered me I was like so something was inside of you (laughs) I would always I would ask her like so if I spend the night here And I'm not wearing any pants. Is somebody going to enter me?
2: (laughs) Did anything, D, serious question, did anything enter you at that time?
1: (laughs) Well, not anything unsolicited. Um, But yeah, you know, I don't know. It could have been Bill Cosby's ghost dad. Maybe it was. Um, But what I want to talk about for the uh, the intro here of, of this Halloween show it's spooky this is gonna be spooky people. We're gonna talk about one of the more famous cases of ghost rape this is this is this like is a probably true the account most
2: famous case
1: I would say this is probably yeah it's actually one of the most documented paranormal experiences like paranormal cases but probably the most <laughs> famous case of ghost rape that I've ever come across. And it happened here in L.A., in Culver City, actually, in 1974. It's the Doris Bither case, also known as the Entity Haunting. So what inspired me to talk about this, it's actually something I've wanted to talk about for a while, because I love that movie, The Entity.
2: It's a great movie. It's very funny. <laughs>
1: it is, actually. it is, yeah, It's not a comedy, but it almost is. Um, I just watched it again the other day. The 19, It's a 1982 horror film called The Entity with Barbara Hershey, who I got to say is naked in many scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, which is which is great that, the, you know, the the films of the late 70s and early 80s, just the 80s gratuitous nudity. You don't have that anymore.
2: Yeah, I miss those days.
1: You know, Game of Thrones kind of tried to bring it back, but yeah, you, you don't oh, have don't the gratuitous new today.
2: Things to Game of Thrones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, I was watching it, and uh, and then it inspired me to head out because I'm not that far from Culver City. I actually drove by the home uh, this past week and checked it out. It's it's painted gray now, but it, it's but, still there. Oh, it's still there. Yeah, some you know, there's been several owners. Wow. And I was re- I looked it up. The current owner said they've never experienced anything even remotely strange.
2: Yeah, because if the ghost is a uh, good in bed, you're not going to want to share that with the world, are you?
1: <laughs> so Doris Bither was not only repeatedly plagued by, uh, by three poltergeists, she claims that these three poltergeists raped her on several occasions. And some of the events, not really the ghost rape, but some of the... Uh, you know, paranormal events were actually witnessed by doctoral researchers from the University of California. There's like 30 people that were there studying this case. Um, so this happened back in uh, 1974, August 1974. Uh, a man by the name of Dr. Barry Taff, who I, I tried so hard to get this guy on the show. I don't know if he's still around. Maybe. I know he's, he's done a couple podcast interviews the past few years.
2: Yeah, I just watched a documentary of him. He's a very affable man. I would go for a woodland walk with him.
1: Yeah, he does seem like an avuncular fella. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's a doctor in psychophysiology, a biomedical engineer, and a world-renowned parapsychologist. Apparently, he was, uh, I guess, at a local bookstore. People were saying he was giving a lecture. Other people were saying he was discussing issues with his latest case with an associate while browsing books. And Doris Byther happened to be in this bookstore. She overheard the conversation and she approached, approached Dr. with and his associate and just started explaining that her house is haunted and she wanted his help. And so at the time, he was just kind of like, sure, we'll check it out. And he agreed. Um, but, w- but I don't think he had any idea what he was getting into <laughs> at the time. She
2: didn't tell him the best part. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think she knew about the uh, the ghost rape yet. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, an agreement was like, okay, yeah, we'll 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 check it out. And so Dr. Barry Taff and his associate named Carrie Gainer um, arrived at the Culver City home, and uh, they they met uh, Doris Byther there. She's a petite woman in her thirties.
2: She's got petite feet.
1: She definitely has petite feet. I would say. <laughs> Um, they don't really say if she's like early thirties, mid thirties or late thirties. They just say inner thirties. Okay. You know, and she lived that's in this. There's some
2: great reporting there.
1: Well, that, that's, that's, yeah, I'm going to, it's, it's, there are some clues about Doris Byther and just some background information that it seems to be lacking. And I don't know if it's suspicious that's lacking. We'll get to that a little later, but it's interesting that there's just a lot of like information about her. That's just not there. And especially for a research Mm. subject. But anyway, Doris Mm -hmm. Byther lived in this small home. It's probably like a three-bedroom home, two-bedroom home, uh, with her six-year-old daughter, and she had three sons. The daughter is six, and the three boys were 10, 13, and 16. And the house was just, just, like, she was living in squalid conditions. That's why I'm surprised the house is
2: still there. I thought it said it was condemned. Usually when a house is condemned, does that not mean it's going to have to come down?
1: Uh, Not always. I mean, I think they condemn it if it's unlivable, but then someone can buy it. I mean, Culver City is, you know, I mean, those homes are worth like a million dollars there.
2: I was about to say, did you Google when it last, what it last sold for?
1: I didn't. I should have looked. It said it, it looked, it said it sold in like 2004. But someone did a lot of work on the house. If you go to Google Maps and you look up uh, the address, what's the address here? 11547 Braddock Drive, Culver City. I mean, it doesn't look at all like it did in the 70s. I mean, right. it's like a gray home. They renovated the whole thing.
2: It was monkey Like, I wouldn't let Mankey. my dog. I don't have a dog. I wouldn't even let my imaginary dog go in that house.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it was in shambles. And uh, Taff said that the house was twice condemned by the city, yet she still lived there with her family as a single mother. So a little background of what we do know about Doris Byther uh, apparently her uh, her maiden name was McGowan, Doris McGowan and uh, she kind of came from she came from an upper middle class family uh, but mm-hmm. both her parents were alcoholics and uh, she did not grow up in an environment that was you know suited for upbringing a child uh, at the age of ten her she and her family moved to California from the Midwest. There's not much known about her childhood. There's not many details. It says in her teenage years, she had a major altercation with the family. Um, her parents disowned her. And then she uh, moved in with an aunt and uncle. They also decided to disown her. And they completely, wow, this
2: sounds like
1: me. <laughs> well, they completely cut her off from having any contact with the family. But there's no detail about what happened. You know, what Doris she would have done when she was a teenager.
2: bad girl. Yeah. Well,
1: and so her parents died, eventually her aunt and uncle did too, um, but they hated her so much that they gave all of their inheritance to the brother, to her brother. Oh, so she had no money. Snoped. She was a single mother at this time. All her kids had, uh, she had four children, all from different fathers. And so, yeah, she uh, you know moved to Santa Monica. She was living in California just as a single mother trying to support these kids. It doesn't really say you know, what she did for a living, but she definitely was uh, an alcoholic. Um, she was mm-hmm. abusive and belligerent on a daily basis. She didn't seem like a, you know, a person you'd want to like have, you know, a cup of tea with.
2: She's just repeating her childhood, but with her own kids now, isn't she? She's come from the same type of environment. I mean, She's it's doing a, the exact it's, same thing.
1: It's a vicious cycle, Kate. It really is. <laughs> um, but also she was unwilling to uh, seek any help for her, you know, drug addiction or alcohol addiction and and deal properly with it. And so because of all this, you know, there's a lot of tension in the home. I guess uh, the oldest child, her oldest son um, had some really dark and resentful feelings towards the mother. And they, I guess it was like a physically and verbally abusive environment. And they say that this type of negative environment is a lightning rod to the to paranormal activities?
2: Well, I wish some ghosts had shown up at my house and livened it up. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm surprised it didn't. Because um, your daddy used to drink. Oh, um, yeah, daddy drank. Daddy drank. I think you've mentioned that before. <laughs> Did you like go into was it? Well, I forget which show that was, but you went into a whole detail about an a physical altercation you had with your dad. You'd think that would have brought a ghost out from somewhere.
2: It would have been like, yeah, fun to have a little... A little ghost bopping about the place, well, not just a rapey to like, lighten one. the mood.
1: Yeah, not but a not rapey, rapey one. one. Yeah, no, so,
2: that's a good point.
1: This negative environment can attract poltergeist activity or psychosomatically created. It's kind of like I was thinking about this. It's kind of like that psycho-reactive slime in Ghostbusters too. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> that was like yeah. under the city of New York. And yeah. just with all the angry New Yorkers, it just grew and yeah. grew.
2: <laughs> the angriest people
1: on <laughs> earth. <laughs> who, wait, who was it? Vigo the destroyer? Yeah. In the yeah, painting?
2: Vigo.
1: Oh, that was so yeah, great. Yeah, it
2: was. The German guy. So like, yeah, who's angrier than an angry German man <laughs> <laughs> And in New York? <laughs>
1: So Doris Bither told Dr. Taff and uh, Mr. Gainer here that the spirits in the house would physically assault her. And there were reports ranging from Doris just walking around her home and accidentally bumping into the ghosts every now and then to full on spectral rape, like full on ghost rape. And so hearing this, much like I was with my ex-girlfriend, I was like a bit skeptical you know, yes. about about a ghost penis entering her. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but but these things are like, you know, even ghost ghostly apparitions are kind of hard to prove, let alone ghost rape. But the yeah but the weird thing was is there were like visible bruises on Doris's inner thighs on different areas of her body that she couldn't have given herself. And you say were, that but well,
2: you can give yourself a bruise wherever you want.
1: I mean, I guess she could smash herself against something, especially if you're, but she had bruises like all over her body and marks that look like it would have been strange for her to be able to give them to herself.
2: (laughs) Marks that looked like a ghost cock on her back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, it obviously was a, you know, ghost rape is, it's not a, it's not, it's not a pleasant experience apparently. But the thing is, there's this, you know, in addition to these bruises and, and weird markings, there you know, her family corroborated her story, not to mention other people outside of the family also said that they've had, you know, weird experiences in the house.
2: Mm-hmm. Did any of them get raped?
1: You mean the kids?
2: The kids or the other people. They just like, got diddled. Don't go around to Doris's house. Just diddle. just a now, little. Well,
1: one of the sons got, like, thrown across the room, but no one actually, you know, I don't think the ghosts... Entered any of the children, if that's what you're asking. He just
2: wanted Doris's pussy. Just wanted she's Doris. she's got the, the best one in the house, apparently.
1: Her diamond snatch. Doris claimed <laughs> that the ghosts were Asian men. And the children also, you know, saw the beings, you know, in the house. And in fact, the visions were so frequent that the kids dubbed one of the most, the more prominent ghosts, Mr. Who's It.
2: Uh, this is my, right. If you're going to be raped by a ghost, I suppose you probably want to be raped by like an Asian ghost. Because we all know the rumors about Asian men.
1: Oh, now that is just hurtful. I say rumors. That is hurtful.
2: Scientific facts about Asian men. Perpetuating
1: these stereotypes. (laughs) You never know. There are some well-hung Asian guys out there. And who knows what happens when you enter like, you know, the ghostly realm. Maybe your cock grows a few inches.
2: Is that what you're hoping happens?
1: You <laughs> got my fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> so I read, and this is, so not only was I trying to get an interview with Dr. Taff, which proved impossible. His website hasn't been updated in like years and the emails don't work. I saw that I came across this uh, website called ghost theory who conducted an interview with Doris's middle son, Brian Harris in 2009. So I went on like, I don't know, a couple hour long forage through the internet trying to get a hold of Brian Harris and find his contact info, which I couldn't. I couldn't do either. But in this interview, which is not recorded, it's just you know, inter- it's on this guy's blog. Uh, Brian ha- Brian Harris talks about the experience. He said we all experienced some form of attack. There was pushing, biting, scratching. There were four entities in the home, and they all made themselves known by appearing. At different times, he said that um, it was like a fog, kind of like a Mm -hmm. human, but not quite. And he was in his early teens at this time. He says when they would, uh, you know, it was kind of like a silhouette, like translucent and foggy, like a sculpture. But the weird thing about it, (laughs) with a cock, yeah. Well, mostly it's (laughs) an upper torso. He wasn't always just like you know walking around like shirt cocking. Um, but, he, but he said it he had a chiseled body, not a full figure, not all of them, but just the main ghost that they saw. And I don't know if that was Mr. Who's it, but uh, he had a chiseled body and with musculature. And he said the whole, the whole thing about, about Dr. Taft saying that they're Asian. He's like, I don't know where they got that from, because these ghosts did not look Asian. Well, My, well okay. who knows? I mean... I, I don't know how, I mean, I, I guess I don't know how detailed. The, the guy's saying it's a silhouette, it's a fog. What, did he actually see, Asi- like, Asiatic features on this ghost face?
2: Yeah, there's, there's 48 countries in Asia, and all the people look wildly different. So, yeah, they could have been Asian, Brian, for all you know.
1: Um, my favorite thing he said in this interview, he said, you know, at times it would just be annoying. We'd be sitting there watching TV, and these things would just walk by in front of the TV like nothing. He's yeah. like, we're so used to the poltergeist that we just got to the point where we wouldn't even care. It's like, come on, man. You make a better window <laughs> than a door. <laughs> well, or is the, it the other way you around?
2: You can see through them. <laughs> you can see through them. What's the problem?
1: I, I just like, find it funny ghost. that it's like you have a fucking ghost walking in front of you and you don't even care. That's teenagers. Yeah, yeah i are
2: so over you know, it. it's yeah. just like,
1: we're just, we're bored <laughs> at this point. But he did say... That the whole rape thing was real. His room was right next door to his mother's and he would hear the attacks happening. He's like, things would be thrown across the room. She would be screaming and then she would run out of the bedroom with all these bruises, like on her legs and on her thighs.
2: Looking ghost come dripping down (laughs) down her thighs.
1: (laughs) Saying, I've been slimed. He said there were times, that, Doris. <laughs> <laughs> He said there were times when they would actually they saw it happen in front of us. It was like a man was standing in front of the mom and he would start to beat her. Jack it off <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's what kind, kind of porn you've on. been watching. It's but it's
2: ghost. <laughs> Jacking off in front of mother, and they're all just sat there going I'm bored
1: well I wonder if it was like a train if you know like a bunch of like six ghosts (laughs) are sitting there just wanking it waiting you know make sure they're hard when they get their turn at the gangbang you know yeah Um,
2: it's my turn next boy
1: but he said I mean this must have been kind of traumatic they saw you know he saw his mother being picked up and thrown around and slaps like they were like full-on getting into it like slapping um but there was no one there doing this (laughs) you know
2: but she's coming as it's happening
1: you know in the movie she only did she only came once and the rest of the times oh, it just really? looked kind of violent yeah mm. you know not all women enjoy ghost rape contrary to what you might think kate <laughs> all right
2: guess what um, i'm asking for for christmas
1: <laughs> a copy of ghost Dead. you know i can i could probably send you that dvd you might like it um, the rape scene in that is just oh, it's epic Brutal. Uh, Doris described her attacks, saying that there were three entities, two smaller ones that would hold her down, while the third, larger entity raped her. And yeah, she Asian. would have like bruises and all this. I mean, these guys full on ran a ghost train on her. You know? Yeah,
2: definitely not Asian.
1: And he's uh, larger. Well, yeah, the well maybe the two smaller ones are Asian. You know?
2: Yeah, they they they're probably the Asians, and then. Who
1: knows the etymology of the larger ghosts? You know, in the movie, one of the things that stood out the most is the ghost rape scenes, obviously, because there are many of them. But you knew a ghost rape scene was about to go down because it had the best music. It was like this harsh industrial (laughs) bass drum, like, like a skinny puppy song or something. And it's like, as soon as the bass drums start kicking in, you're like, oh, she's about to get raped by some ghosts. (laughs) I mean, it was well, my-
2: when Doris heard that music, why didn't she just get the hell out of the house?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like skinny puppy comes on. she's like, I am out of here getting out of this bathtub. Um, <laughs> so so the I guess the challenge here with the investigators is like how can you prove spectral rape? You know it's like their you know their uh, reputations here are on the line. So what they did is they bought in like, you know several other like interns and other students. Uh, they set up shop in the house and brought on high-speed cameras, uh, photographers, and other investigators to try to capture something on film. Um, in a famous report, all the investigators and the equipment, as well as Doris, were in her bedroom, the small bedroom. And they were waiting, you know, cramped, waiting to see some paranormal activities. So they asked Doris to conjure up the beings by having her call them. So she, started, she, she you can picture her because she must be wasted. you know, drinking like a bottle of brandy. And she just started swearing and yelling at the spirits while 30 or so investigators were crammed in her room.
2: I was just imagining Doris getting out her like a dildo and being like, I'm going to call the ghosts now.
1: <laughs> Just everyone's like, all right, this is awkward. This is getting really <laughs> awkward. But the, the weird thing about it is uh, lights started manifesting around the room. And there's a famous picture um, of this incident that, that I'll post to the site. And so as she kept provoking them and swearing at them, a greenish mist started to form in a corner of the room as if it was like coiling. And swirling and growing. And then within seconds, the form of a man's upper torso with this huge cock. Like, I'm saying, like, probably 14 inches. Um, Was John
2: Holmes dead by this
1: point? (laughs) I'm lying (laughs) about the cock. It was just an upper torso. He was not
2: dead. Sorry, John Holmes. No, he was, like,
1: yeah, he was in the middle of his career, in his prime.
2: It was Johnny Wood. Um, Right.
1: So uh, she was probably,
2: when she saw that, she was probably, like, ready for it. She was, like, get in. I'm going to have some fun in about
1: 10 minutes. She might have been into it, you know. Um so his upper torso of this ghost started to become visible in the mist. It was very large, very muscular. Um it didn't really show facial details, so they couldn't tell if it was Asian or not, but they could tell that it was a male entity. So it must mm-hmm. have had a dog. Uh, one of the investigators soon fainted after seeing this. Um but This is uh, interesting to point out. No matter how many high speed cameras were there or filming at the incident, you know, filming the incident, none of it ever came out on film. Surprise, surprise.
2: Also, the house is condemned. If you're in a condemned house and like a green mist is forming in the center of this house, like get the fuck out of this house.
1: Yeah, That's like probably some <laughs> noxious fumes or something. This is like a radioactive gas.
2: gas. Yeah. Th- th- this is not a ghost with a big fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is This is something that it's like asbestos. Get out.
1: <laughs> but in this picture, the only picture they have from it, it shows Doris sitting on her bed with like this free floating arc light in the middle of the room. And she's just sitting there and it's like, Kind of, sort of like a rainbow almost above her.
2: Oh, that's pretty. Is she wasted as well?
1: Well, you can't even see her face. You can't see her face in any of these pictures.
2: I was going to say, is Doris, is she fuckable to a ghost? If you are a ghost, would you pick her to fuck?
1: It's a good question. You know, I don't know. I mean, it seems like these ghosts are opportunists. They're definitely not into kids, which is good, that they're not pedos. Um, This is a funny thing that Dr. Taff reported. He said that the eldest son used to say that the activities intensified whenever he played certain music, like Black Sabbath or Uriah Heep. Because I guess the poltergeist did not like Sabbath.
2: Well, obviously, I can understand Sabbath. You
1: know, generals gathered in their masses. But Uriah Heep. Uriah Heep
2: is... If I was a ghost, I would come back to be like, are you really playing Uriah
1: Heap? Would you just, start, just throw the record player across the room? Um,
2: I would take it off and put Black Sabbath on. In like, the interview,
1: in the interview, Mr. Harris claims that, uh, you know, the fact that or Dr. Pa, uh, Taft saying that his older brother is listening to satanic music is bullshit. He goes, we never listen to, quote, satanic music. We listen to Black Sabbath and Uriah Heap. Any kid growing up in the 70s, listen to sabbath that's what we listened to it was the cool thing to do he said he did notice one thing though when they would play one uriah heap song called demons and wizards that would talk about good versus evil he said every time they play that the spirits would get agitated Mm -hmm. so maybe that's what it was maybe they're like you know you keep playing this uriah heap and i'm gonna go rape your mom you know maybe that's it's all your fault you little fuck (laughs) Now, the thing is, it's like, obviously, you have Dr. Taff and these other students from University of California, UCLA or whatever, they wanted to, I would have been excited too to prove that, you know, this is like, you know, there's paranormal experiences going on in the house. Uh, You think about it at that time, early 70s, the exorcist had just came out. So everyone was all like, you know. Obsessed with ghosts and paranormal experiences, but there are a lot yeah, of yeah. This
2: is a once in a lifetime thing. I'd but there are a
1: lot of like overwhelming factors in this case that seem to be, I think, kind of dismissed. You know, Doris's addiction to alcohol. You know, I mean that's that's kind of a a big thing. It seemed like whenever Doris was wasted in a drunken stupor, that's when all the phenomena would occur. Mm-hmm. You know. And it says there were times when she was present with the team and she was not under the influence of alcohol, not a poltergeist would even stir. Hmm. So I wonder, it's like, you know, maybe when she was just wasted, mind clouded, inhibitions minimized, you know, that's when they want to show up because they're just like, well, this is going to be easier to score. She's pissed.
2: That's true. You know, it's she's like. So- <laughs> she's going to be easy. Doris is in a party mood tonight.
1: You know, this isn't going to be too tough. I don't even think we need to take her out for dinner. Um, I don't have to give
2: her any of that GVH. <laughs> like, she's easy. <easier. laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of psychologists try to explain what happened here. And they say that, you know, she had three entities that attacked her. You know, maybe these three entities could have been a physical manifestation of the relationship she had with her three sons. That was obviously turbulent.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, people say that could have been a, a part of it. You know, she was drug addicted. She maybe felt guilt. You know, the kids, she had a, you know, the old eldest kid, you know, the eldest kid, they had like major issues. So maybe that's, you know, what caused part of this. The other thing they say that Doris and her kids could have been psychic. All of them. All of them. Psychic parents, parents produce psychic children. So maybe the tumultuous relationship between these psychic people produce a staggering amount of negative psychokinetic energy. Which leads to ghost come,
2: which leads to Mama getting laid.
1: <laughs> exactly, that's what can happen. I'm skeptical. I guess unless maybe I've seen it. There were they claim there are 30 people that have seen it, but no one caught any of this on tape.
2: Well, in this documentary which I watched, it's on YouTube. It's pretty good. It's called "The Entity Files: The Story of Doris Biver." They would he talks about this that the things they photographed were not the things they saw. But how does that explain the things in the photograph? They're different to what all these people saw.
1: But what are the things in the photograph? Like just an arc of light? An arc of light and like,
2: orbs and all that. Stuff that everyone bangs on about being ghosts.
1: Yeah, but I lights. mean, if, if I saw like an apparition with a huge dong sticking out, I would have been like, all right, maybe that is a rapey ghost. But if I see like an arc of light or an orb or something, I'd be like, you know, they went to Spencer's Gifts and they bought one of those like fucking, <laughs> you know, those like, what are those, those balls with the, that with you could touch? The, um, I forget what they're the called. The
2: balls you can touch.
1: No, you there's like a, no, it's like a, a, a lamp. Would you touch? It's got like static electricity in it, in the thing. Like it's oh, like a Tesla, yeah, it's like a Tesla coil. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That are always in like 1950s movies and they go yeah. down to the mad scientist's laboratory. And
1: later, you know, yeah. in the, and in the eighties and nineties, they're sold at Spencer Gifts in the mall with lava lamps. But that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I, I look at these, these photographs, these Polaroids and I'm skeptical. I don't really think that proves anything.
2: I'm skeptical because I don't believe in this stuff, but I just, yeah, I just don't know because there is so many people who corroborate it. But the fact that there's no information really about her, none of her kids, because she had four kids, didn't she? None of them are like have any internet presence.
1: Well, except and for this one whole, who was supposedly interviewed, Brian supposedly, Harris. Supposedly,
2: yes. You know.
1: but, but that's how a-
2: many Brian Harrises live in
1: LA. I, l- I looked up several and, and messaged a yes. bunch on Facebook and no one got back to me. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what? I mean, that's the thing. They say that, you know, her self-medicating, possibly having psychic abilities could have made her victim to these malevolent forces. You know, she obviously had mm-hmm. a... a- you know, uh, she was abused or a, an abusive um, childhood. Maybe it's post-traumatic stress syndrome that manifested these apparitions. <laughs>
2: you know, who knows? Big, she, yeah, she's manifesting big cocked ghosts <laughs> to, go, <laughs> to
3: go well fill ghost entity.
2: Yes. I'm going to rename my vibrator the entity.
1: <laughs> Is it green and covered in ghost slime?
2: It soon will be.
1: <laughs> um, after Doris Byther left her Culver City home, because I think what eventually, you know, she's like, I'm just going to get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's um, a
2: white people thing, isn't it? Like the house is haunted, but I'm going to stay here for 25 years, even though I'm having a bad time.
1: Yeah, it's like I've only been raped by ghosts 20 times, but I'm not going to leave yet. <laughs> uh, but she does eventually yeah. leave, um, and the phenomenon ceased to exist in the house. And to this day, I mean, the house is ghost free and is in you know good condition. Um, Dr. Taft says that Doris Byther moved from Culver City to Carson, California, and then from Carson to San Bernardino, and then from San Bernardino eventually to Texas, um, and finally back to San Bernardino. And while jumping between these states, she reported that the phenomenon followed her and her family to every place that they moved. Which
2: maybe this big-donged ghost is in love with her.
1: Or maybe it's a figment of her fucked-up, drug-addled imagination, you know?
2: Maybe, you know, this could just be like, open your mind, D. Like, you know, ghosts have feelings, too.
1: And big-dongs, apparently.
2: Um, <laughs> really big But dongs. so,
1: you know, that's the thing. Maybe this is just a manifestation <laughs> of her unstable environment or drug addiction, you know, or drug-addled mind. Um, one of the things that uh, Dr. Taft says that kind of is a testament to her psychological state, she claimed that she was impregnated by the mus- the, the, the larger ghost. And uh, they had several medical tests that showed her not to be pregnant, but actually suffering from a hysterical pregnancy. I had to look that this happens. up. Have you ever heard of that? A hysterical pregnancy? It's oh, I've called heard a false hysterical pregnancy. pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Pseudocyesis. It's a medical term for a false pregnancy um, or a phantom pregnancy. And it's characterized by like the person experiences all the typical symptoms, including weight gain, growing belly, morning sickness, backache, all the signs of being pregnant without actually having a baby. You know, they're not actually carrying a baby. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest thing about it, false pregnancy, not only found in women, also happens to men.
2: I think that's more yeah, when it happens in men, it's like a sympathetic pregnancy. It's a pregnancy, sympathetic isn't it?
1: pregnancy, yeah. I'm wondering yeah. if that's what's going on with Big Jair. because when he was over <laughs> in my house this past weekend, that guy's gut seems like, I don't know, he's probably his belt sizes went up a few notches. I'm Is wondering a
2: baby schmooly too.
1: <laughs> I'm wondering <laughs> if he thinks, you know, he's having a sympathetic pregnancy. I actually suggested that he gets one of those birthing vests. Have you seen those? Those weighted birthing oh, vests.
2: Like- so he can carry
1: the weight of the baby around with him as well. Some <laughs> real men do. Um, <laughs> so uh, depending on whatever source you believe, some say Doris died in California in 1995 of pulmonary arrest. Some say in uh, Texas from pulmonary disease. Other people said California in 2002 from pancreatic cancer or 2006 in California of another unspecified cancer. Dr. Taff says she succumbed to cardiopulmonary failure in 1999 at the age of 58. That would um, not
2: surprise me. If you're an alcoholic, you're dying young.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and she'd been like a lifelong alcoholic. Uh, but yeah, as you were saying, you know, he said he, he got this information from her sons, but... None of their, none of their, her kids are on the internet. None of them want to make their presence known to the world. So it makes me wonder who really is this lady? You know, yeah. and there's a lot of speculation as to who she is or if she even was a person. I was reading that, uh, that there's a, a theory that she was actually a hoax orchestrated by Gaynor and Taff. You know they bring to bring credibility. Well, to bring credibility to their parapsychology department at UCLA,
2: right? So I mean this, that's that's very plausible. Bill Murray Ghostbusters, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it seems unlikely to me, especially because there are a lot of other people that corroborate it. But you look at these, uh, you know, the photos of the the famous one of the arc lights and all that, and it just kind of seems like these smudged Polaroids. You know, you can't even see Doris's face in any of these in any of these pictures. And I did a, like a pretty exhaustive search trying to find a picture of her, but you don't really see yeah. a picture of her. You know,
2: you think they would have made her just pose for like a portrait
1: or something. Like, you, you know, a
2: very clear portrait to be, and then have gotten more of a background. You would have researched it because what you know the Warrens when they used to go around ghost hunting, they would interview you.
1: You were a subject, a research subject.
2: You were a research subject. So if these guys are like, this is their job. They work for a university. They have their own department. Surely they know. Well, maybe they're they're less interested in her. And they're more interested in like, what
1: is the, you know, the the ghosts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So maybe they're kind of like, fuck her. Because we're going to try and prove that she's not manifesting it. It's
1: like, we want to see some ghost dick. And that's why they we're want, here with our cameras.
2: They want to get covered, and <laughs> ghosts come.
1: Um, but yeah, that's the thing, though. I do think that's kind of suspicious that there's no real information on this woman. We don't even know where she was born. You know, we don't even really know exactly where she died. And Doctor Taff, you know, was saying that uh, she was really evasive and cryptic regarding her background, and that she even refused to tell tell them her exact age. Um, they, they felt that if they pushed her to reveal more about her hellish past, you know, it might have pushed them. She might have just pushed them away from the case. So they never yeah. really got any real background information.
2: But she's but, the one who approached them.
1: Exactly. She came to them. She was a research subject, but yet they didn't even really do any kind of background check. Or any verification to the story? They're just like, sure, you got a ghost with a big dick that's raping you. We're gonna go into your house and bring in some cameras and see what we can film.
2: In Barry's defense, though, because after watching that one documentary, I think he's lovely now, and I need—that's <laughs> <laughs> all I need. He would have been very young in seventy-four, like twenty. Well, so he was a doctor, twenty-five, twenty-six.
1: Maybe I mean, but he so was what? a doctor at that time, so I mean, he would have been yeah. probably mid twenties. Well,
2: you don't know if he was a doctor at that time. He could have but- just been on the road to becoming a doctor.
1: I mean, getting his doctorate. Well, it says, you know, he's since tempered his position on the events surrounding Doris. Uh, He said that in retrospect, he doesn't believe anything paranormal was happening. And he attributes what transpired to like physical forces and not really entities or ghosts. He said that there's evidence to them that, that made them think that they were dealing with real paranormal phenomena but he doesn't think what happened was actual like you know sex. You know, he doesn't think that there was real ghost rape that was happening to Doris.
2: She just having a very violent sleepwank?
1: That you know what? That's probably what it was. A very violent sleepwalk. Which we've all it had.
2: Ha- happens. We've all yeah.
1: we've all been there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't typically call paranormal investigators to my apartment after it happens, but you know, we've all been there. So <laughs> this, uh, this, the entity was actually a novel, uh, an author named Frank DeFellita wrote the novel, the entity based on the real life case story of Doris Beither in 1978. Uh, it was a bestseller and he actually adapted, uh, his book into the film starring Barbara Hershey. The film is great. I highly recommend it. I was reading that uh they, they're planning on remaking it in twenty fifteen. Why? Why
2: must they remake I everything? I don't
1: know. And it's directed by uh it was gonna be or produced by James Wan that did the conjuring. Right. Um, yeah. He well he should stop it. doing
2: stuff like that. Leave it alone at the conjuring, James. Go into like make a romantic drama or something.
1: It's just I don't know. Why do you need to remake something that's that that's great. And I think it's I think a lot of these 80s movies are remade because the, you know, generation Z or whatever is too young to have actually seen the originals. But you know what? Fuck you. Go on Netflix and go hard. watch the original. Yeah. It's not hard. It's
2: not hard to find the originals. And also, yeah. they're better. They're filmed on film. They're much better.
1: Oh, yeah, and the effects are better. There's a great part in the entity when uh after uh, her son gets thrown across the room, all of a sudden you see these like electric shocks. Coming out of his hands? Yeah. Oh, it's such yeah, a good scene. Yeah, I remember scene.
2: that. That's cool. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about when her tits were getting molested. Oh,
1: <laughs> when you see <laughs> the indentation from the ghost hands? Yeah. The movie's great. Go check it out, people. Mm-hmm. Um, g- a good movie to watch on Halloween. Very spooky. Um, anyway, people's episode 763 here is Sick and Wrong. It's Sick and Wrong Halloween show. Uh, we have some uh, Halloween spooky stories coming up next. Very spooky. Uh, We have some spooky phone calls a little later in the show. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page.
0: Hi, this is Wilfred Brimley.
3: And if you're anything like me, you can't get enough of sick and wrong. Sick and wrong helps me with my diabetes. How's that? Because I subscribe to Second Wrong's Patreon. I get extra shows, extra phone calls. It's just the right thing to do to support these two dirty fucking Jews. Again, I'm Wilfred Brimley, signing off for Second Wrong. Sign up for the Patreon. So,
1: the first news story we have here is the perfect Halloween story. It's got everything. Vampires, lesbian witches, a Frankenstein monster. I'm loving lying. it. I'm lying about the Frankenstein monster, but I was hoping Aww. there would be one. But it does have vampires <laughs> and lesbian witches and a coven. So it's, it's a good Halloween story. Very seasonal. Fantastic. Discarded like trash. Girlfriend of dating app killer found guilty of murdering Sidney Loof. It was a, quote, climax killing. Okay. it's a great right. term. Well,
2: speaking of climax killing, Carla Faye took her. She said that when she was pickaxing them to death, she came. She so came. That a climax, that was a killing. climax yeah. killing.
1: I think any yeah. killing when you, when you achieve orgasm,
2: that's mm-hmm. a,
1: that's a climax killing.
2: Ed Kemper as well.
1: Yeah. He came he probably all over did. his mother. Didn't Ted Bundy.
2: Ted Bundy too. Um, Say uh Sadie Glutz, Susan Atkins, I said think just a lot Jesus of them staff, were, Sharon Tate.
1: Yeah, Well, I think a lot having, of them were kind of like motivated by, you know, sexual desire. Well, the violence made them come. <laughs> Sadism. Mm-hmm. So Bailey Boswell and her boyfriend discussed torture, murder, and witchcraft with several women before killing Sidney Loof in 2017. You know, we might have done this story because the story seems familiar. We yeah. might have done this back in 2017, but I'm revisiting it because more details have come back, come out now. I've not heard this story. Oh, I can't even I'm,
2: remember it from the I time. Think,
1: I think we did it when it came out because the guy, um, her boyfriend, Bailey Boswell's boyfriend looks really familiar. But yeah. I'm not quite sure. So we're revisiting it. Um, After deliberating for three hours, a Nebraska jury found Bailey Boswell, 26 years old, guilty of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and improper disposal of human remains for her role in the November 2017 slaying and dismemberment of Sidney Loof, who is a cashier at a Lincoln Home Improvement Store. Oh, Lincoln. You know
2: who's from Lincoln, don't you?
1: Lincoln, Nebraska? Yeah. Who? A
2: famous serial killer, Charlie Starkweather, Carol Ann Fugate. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Charlie Starkweather yeah. is from Lincoln. Maybe uh-huh. this is like a fertile breeding ground for serial killers.
2: I used Something to have a about the soil. From Lincoln. And he said that um you could obviously, he went to the same high school that Charlie Starkweather went to. And they still have the old like yearbooks and you can did go they, back and see Do they have a Charlie memorial to him? Them? No, but he said he he was a weirdo too, very much like how I imagined Charlie was. And like how obviously this is proving that Lincoln is a reading ground for weirdos. I think weirdos. it is. I
1: think it is. I mean, yeah. definitely this story is a testament to that. So a three-judge panel will now decide whether Boswell will be sentenced to death or live for the rest of her life in prison. And this would actually be if she's if they give her the death sentence, she'll be the first women woman ever sentenced to death in nebraska
2: yeah she won't she if she even if she gets the death sentence she won't get killed. They don't yeah, like don't killing women either. no like she'll just sit on death row for like 30 until she years. eventually guys yeah yeah so
1: Boswell acted in tandem with her fifty two year old boyfriend Aubrey Trail to lure. Loof to her death after meeting her on the, on a dating app. They, they actually, she actually met her on Tinder. Loof was missing for 19 days after the Tinder date, and her body was finally found in garbage bags scattered among ditches and farm fields in rural Nebraska. She was dismembered.
2: In the back of my jugular, sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was dismembered and discarded like trash. It was a climax Literally. killing, according to the uh, the assistant DA here. Mike Guinan. He said, there's a climax killing, there is excitement, and we will show you that this case is about an orgasmic desire to torture and kill.
2: Oh, he's making it sound really sexy. I would have liked to have been on this jury.
1: Yeah, this, no, this would have been a great jury trial, especially with uh, all the testimony of the um, the other witches. So the question here, and I guess what they had to prove to the jurors, was the converse, were the conversations about torture and killing between Bailey Boswell and Aubrey trail, were they real or is this all some part of some strange fantasy or role play? So this came up, you know, as the couple, you know, uh, as the, as the couple was being described um, by all of the, the young women who were witches or I guess, quote witches that were in, in Mm -hmm. uh, Aubrey trails coven. Um, so a pair of these young women said so they met the couple on Tinder and they testified about group sex selling stolen antiques. I guess that was the racket. They would go steal like antique coins and resell them. And they had a sugar daddy lifestyle with the pair. One woman, right. Katie Brandle, said that Boswell would finish faster or orgasm quicker if Brandel cried out in pain while they're having rough sex. (laughs) You know, that's common with a lot of women, a lot of people in general, but a lot of women. Who doesn't like a little bit of S&M, you know?
2: Is this what you request? They must, well, I'm sure you're used to women crying as you're fucking them.
1: <laughs> it's usually not, it's usually not pain. It's just usually sadness and regret.
2: Disappointment, still, being like, oh, I've slept with a yeah.
1: Jew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens. Uh, Brandel, now 24, she said that in 2017, um, Boswell once talked during sex about cutting off someone's arms and legs and ripping off their fingernails in order to achieve an orgasm. All right, that's crossing a line. You know, there's a little bit of spanking that goes on, maybe a little bit of mm-hmm. choking, but ripping off someone's arms and legs and their fingernails to get an orgasm. This is, her,
2: this is her dirty talk as well. I'd be like, this is this is going too far for dirty talk. Take it back.
1: Yeah, like let's, like, bring a, back let's a style it down a couple of notches. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Like, um, like, like, what are you talking like, about? We all here? like reading
2: death scene love. We all like looking at the pictures, but you don't have to be describing the pictures to me.
1: But you don't have to vigorously masturbate to every page, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah, well, don't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Speak for yourself, D.
2: Um,
1: Brandall said she didn't take any of this, quote, sex talk seriously. Um, the defense attorneys are arguing that Boswell was just participating in sexual role playing and was being dominated by Trail, who murdered Sidney Loof on his own. Um, they said that they, if you look at the evidence, it's clear that Aubrey Trail killed Sidney Loof, and that he regularly dished out violence and threats to control these women. So now, this tra- is like
2: a Carla Hamolka thing, isn't it? Where she's going to try and play totally innocent when in well,
1: reality, that, yeah, you that, know
2: that she's played a part. Oh, she this.
1: was complicit. Color Homolka was definitely complicit. And it is obvious that Bailey Boswell, who's going and luring these women that she met on women Tinder, in. you know, and bringing them in to, uh, you know, to be violently abused by this man. She knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who talks about like getting off to like people's arms being ripped off? Like if that's the sex talk that makes you come quicker, there's something off. There's 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 a little yeah, bit, yeah. You, you know, a little bit. The, f- the synapses aren't firing properly.
2: Yes, exactly. You know.
1: Um. So Trail was convicted of first degree murder a year ago. Um. And during both trials, uh, witnesses said the 52 year old convinced his cult members, his coven, that he was a flying, mind reading vampire. With a coven of a dozen witches, and he claimed he would gain powers by killing people and sucking in their breath. <laughs> so did you I don't know if you looked up a picture of this guy, but he's definitely uh, not an Antonio Banderas type of vampire. I would say yeah, he may. <laughs> I would say he reminds me more of like a Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Have you ever seen yeah. that show? Nick Offerman? I have
2: seen, yes.
1: He kind of looks he's like Nick Offerman. He's flying on
2: something, but he's not flying, being a vampire. I'd say he's probably flying on a bit of meth.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's some meth involved. But he does, he kind of, he's got this big mustache. He's kind of a fat guy. I would say he looks a, quite a bit like Ron Swanson. Um, throughout the trial, the, th- the three women testified for the prosecution about their encounters with Boswell and Trail, and all had similar stories about the couple's rules. Really bizarre rules here. Um, they were not allowed to wear clothes in the apartment. Their discussions about, and they, oh yeah, they could only have discussions about killing, torture, and witchcraft. And all three, yeah, oh, you know, all three me- women met the couple after swiping right on Boswell on Tinder. So Bailey Boswell was the lure, like she was on Tinder. Yeah, to get them she in. brought them in. And if you look at her, she kind of reminds me. Of Amy Poehler's character in Parks and Rec. Leslie nope.
2: Are you saying that if they were to make, like, a very, like, budget version of Parks and Rec, you have casted these characters?
1: Or vice versa, if they were to make a movie Mm -hmm. out of this. I think you should Nick Offerman to play the fat vampire. And I think Amy Poehler should play the slutty Tinder bait. Yeah. You know?
2: Done. Um, Let's take this to Hollywood.
1: I think we could pitch this. I think we could. <laughs> so uh, the prosecutors walk through the timeline of the case. Uh, they say that there are there are victims in this case, and it's definitely not Bailey Boswell. The victim is Sydney Loof, and so he said that uh, the prosecution maintains that Boswell and Trail did everything together, and they worked as a team, which included finding women on Tinder, supporting them financially, discussing torture and murder. A topic that would make Boswell's eyes light up and her mouth smile. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: well, to be fair, when I talk about murder with people,
1: your <laughs> eyes often light very, up?
2: my eyes will light up and I'll have a little sly smile about it.
1: <laughs> One woman testified that during the trial, uh, she noted the couple often discussed selling homemade murder and torture videos. So Ashley snuff and Bailey films. were going to make homemade snuff films. You know, th- these are snuff films made from the heart. A snuff film <laughs> you can always count on. Good old fashioned <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey snuff films.
2: <laughs> All Connie and Nebraska snuff films.
1: Yep. Just good old hometown snuff films. Uh, but unlike other women that Boswell met on Tinder, Loof wasn't immediately told about Trail. So, Loof, you know, she met Boswell, who's an attractive woman. She looks like Amy Poehler. And Loof yeah, was, I was like, into it. Yeah, Luff was like, I'm into this. They, she said she was gushing to a friend, that she had a, a second date with her dream girl. Meanwhile, the couple, couple was off at Home Depot purchasing tools to dismember her body, including a hacksaw and bleach. And uh, this the night that Loof, uh picked up Boswell, so Luf even picked her up, she even drove, um, that would seal her fate. 24 minutes after she sent her last text message to her mother, she was strangled by trail, with an extension cord. He then used a fine-tooth saw to dismember her body. Nasty. Um, Trail confessed the murder. He told authorities that Boswell helped him clean up the crime scene, but he did the murder himself.
2: You live in Lincoln, Nebraska. Why are you why are you cutting up a body in a house? Go out to the fucking woods.
1: Well, maybe it was cold. It was November. You're supposed
2: to be a witch, a November, yeah, a witch and a vampire. Go out to the woods, put some extra layers on. They're Nebraskan people. They can handle the cold. Well, Would you call you... a person from Nebraska? Nebraska Knights.
1: I think there's <laughs> Nebraskans. Nebraskans. But couldn't you just yeah. do it in your backyard? These homes have huge backyards.
2: Yeah, even if you're not overlooked by neighbors. Why why you why are you dismembering a body in the house and like splattering DNA everywhere? Do it outside?
1: Her body was reported missing when she didn't show up for work at Menards. You ever heard of that place? What's
2: not, What's Menards?
1: <laughs> Pirate Bullocks. Menards. Um, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's uh, like a Home Depot, but like I don't know. I don't know if they have Menards in LA. I've seen Menards in Michigan, though.
2: Like, what level of Home Depot? Like, is it like a... A mid-range one, like it's like you get half the size. No, it's
1: like half the yeah. size of a Home Depot. It's like a smaller Home Depot. you can Home
2: buy Depot. like you can buy like MDF and stuff.
1: I don't even know what that is. Is that some kind of weird you know, like, English uh, construction like, tool?
2: No, it's like a, a form of wood, a cheap oh. form of wood. So, oh, like is particle it board. Like, yeah. So, like, will builders more likely go to Menard than Home Depot?
1: I think most. Or we would call it Home would... Depot. I think most mm-hmm. most builders are good at Home Depot, but if you need something in pinch, like some you know, in a pinch, you get like a yeah, menards, menards will do. Menards. Yeah. Um, menards.
2: I'm trying to think what we would compare it to. Maybe like a screw fix or a wilt. Not a wilk. Yeah, a
1: wilkes. A Wilks or a screw fix. I like the term screw yeah. fix.
2: <laughs> screw fix
1: direct. <laughs> Maybe my sister should name her kid screw fix. <laughs> I like that. It has a good ring to it. Um So, yeah, she didn't show up for work at Menards. And so uh, there was an extensive search and a manhunt for her, and they found her body um, scattered amongst the garbage. So the the last witness um, that testified against Bailey Boswell is a woman named Ashley Hills, who kind of looks a lot like Aubrey Plaza in Parks and Rec. (laughs) I was looking at her. I'm like, she's kind of like the I don't know fat Midwestern version, but she kind of does look a bit like her.
2: You have casted this.
1: Oh, I know exactly who's gonna play everybody in the in mm. the movie that I'm writing right now. Um, yeah, it's gonna there's gonna be some ghost rape. It's gonna be good. Um so uh, Ashley Ashley Hills testified she met someone named Jenna on Tinder several re- weeks before Lou met Boswell on the same app. So you know, there's a lot of lesbian witches here in Nebraska.
2: I know I'm you know? moving to Lincoln.
1: Yeah, would you so you were a teenage runaway. Would you uh-huh. have been down with dating some kind of couple like this? like would you been or no. would you have been weirded out when he's like, "I'm a vampire that reads Minds and I have a witch's coven and orgies?
2: I probably would have liked that part, but no, I would have been not into it.
1: He just looks too much like Ron Swanson. Not enough like Keanu <laughs> Ron Reeves. Ron
2: Swanson vampire. Ooh, a Keanu Reeves vampire.
1: <laughs> so Hill said that on her first date, she was driven to the basement apartment um, that was shared by Trail and Boswell. And she already knew that Boswell had a sugar daddy because she told him about, about the sugar daddy. And she's like, if you agree to the rules of the house, you know, Aubrey uh, Trail will be your sugar daddy too. So Hills was.
3: Giving- I don't
2: get this sugar daddy lifestyle. I know like women are really into it being like, I want me a sugar daddy. It's like, no, like don't have a man pay for your stuff.
1: Just don't um, do it. You're not a stripper. So I don't think you get it.
2: But even normal girls, I like, I work with a few girls who are like, that's their dream is to be like kept by a man. I'm just like, what is this? The 1600s.
1: Yeah, but listen to what you get. Listen, okay, listen to the rewards here, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. So she was given $200 after that first date, and she was told that was her weekly allowance. So she's going to get 200 bucks a week. Think how many records you could buy with that.
2: Yeah, but, but just shagging them.
1: Well, yeah, she, well, a little bit more than that. She's not allowed to have contact with any other men. She has to call Aubrey Trail Daddy. She had to check in with him every three hours or she'd be punished. (laughs) And she must seek permission from him for any requests. Uh, And she'd also have to be nude in the apartment at all times. Those are the house rules. It
2: gets cold uh, cold (laughs) in Nebraska.
1: You got to be butt naked and call Ron Swanson daddy. That's how it works. And
2: then, what, every three hours be like, You okay, hon? You okay? Nah, I'm not doing this. Can't make me.
1: Yeah, but listen to this, though. You get $200 allowance a week. He paid your rent. He pays your car payment. He gives you gifts. And he took her and a couple other women on an all expenses paid trip to Branson, (laughs) Missouri. (laughs) Oh, wow. Beautiful Branson, Missouri. (laughs) Who the fuck wants to go to Branson?
2: I have always wanted to go to Branson. Thanks for bringing me here, daddy. It's
1: like like octogenarian (laughs) Vegas. It's like, who the fuck wants to go to Branson? He's like the shittiest vampire coven leader I've ever met.
2: In having your car paid, your rent paid, because you can't do anything because he owns you. He controls you. So what's the point in having this extra 200 pounds? Because you're not allowed to go out and spend it. And I bet if you did go out and spend it and bought something and brought it back, you'd be like, I don't like that. I didn't approve it. Take it back. It's well, pointless. Hill this is said, a sugar daddy. what they do.
1: Hill said she liked being taken care of and she was okay with the whole sugar daddy roles and the sexual liaisons with Boswell and Trail. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. later she testified about the talk between Boswell and Trail of finding someone <laughs> for her to murder so she could become the 13th witch of the coven. They are like, we're going to let you... In the coven, but you gotta murder somebody, and so yeah,
2: the initiation.
1: Yeah, she said that uh, she drove the trio to a Walmart to scope out a woman there who had been chosen for her first kill, so she could become the uh, the, the witch. And I guess it never happened because afterwards they went to a local TJ Max to look for another victim, and she had a full-on <laughs> panic attack. And she uh, left the group, but she was freaked out, and they threatened to kill her. And uh, she she was convinced that Trail was a 500-year-old vampire who could read minds, and he gained powers by breathing a last person's breath. And she feared for her life every day after she left the group. And so the uh, defense attorney was like, so have you ever read a book by Stephen King called Dr. Sleep? Or saw a movie recently with Ewan McGregor called Doctor Sleep, and she said, "No," and he goes, "Can't read." (laughs) He (laughs) goes, "It discusses gaining powers by breathing a person's last breath," and she's like, "Okay." So I guess maybe she doesn't read, you know? Maybe. So maybe that's well. To be fair,
2: i've I've not read Doctor Sleep, so I wouldn't know that. But I would also know that it's fucking bullshit.
1: It's a good movie, actually. I enjoyed it.
2: I haven't seen it. I wanted to see it, but I just never
1: got around to it. Uh, it's, it's good it's on the list. Though. And it, yeah, it's like it's, you know, kind of like the sequel to The Shining. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. But yeah, I think uh you definitely have to find a gullible victim here, you know, who's mm-hmm. gonna be the next vampire witch in the coven. Right? It seems
2: like there's plenty of them in Lincoln, in Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska,
1: yeah. <laughs> so on that note, what do you have here for the next Spooky story.
2: Okay, so the story I have, people might be sad that I'm not going to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it.
1: Please don't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is an amazing story. I'm so happy that this is my first story that I get to read out because it's a story that I was made to tell. And the title is Cannibals Lured Victims to Cabin in the Woods for Gentle Surgery, Sheriff Says.
1: You know, Cabin in the Woods is a good horror film.
2: It is a very good horror film.
1: Yeah.
2: So here we go. Two men from Oklahoma stand accused of illegal castration after allegedly luring a 28-year-old to a remote cabin through an online advertisement for low-cost sex reassignment surgery. This is quite similar to your story in a way, but different.
1: Here we go. It's, It's very spooky. I would say it's equally as spooky. I don't know if it was like a coven, but sort of.
2: These two very American names are Bob Lee Allen, 53, and Thomas Evans Gates, 42, were formally charged Wednesday after what appeared to be the victim's testicles were found in a freezer in the bedroom of the cabin. They had been in custody since October the 15th after trying to visit their alleged victim in a local hospital, said Le Floor, Le Fleur, County Sheriff, Rodney Derryberry Rodney (laughs) Rodney Derryberry what an amazing name
1: that is a pure Oklahoma name Sheriff Rodney Derryberry on the case I would
2: love to be Mrs. (laughs) Rodney Derryberry (laughs) Kate Derryberry
1: Carrie Derryberry
2: Carrie Derryberry they face yeah
1: so they found genitals in a refrigerator I'm still trying to get in, gather bedroom, my, in the bedroom, which is naturally
2: where I keep my freezer, too. Wait, in the do you, bedroom, Do you have a mini fridge
1: in to be your, victim's uh, testicles? Do you have a mini fridge? <laughs> no,
2: because I'm not a jock. Bollocks. I am not in a sorority full of bollocks. <laughs> 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 I took the bollocks away after every use, don't you?
1: You're just done with them after that. I could see that. I just love yeah, how I these mean, guys. The
2: one-time use thing. They just regrow.
1: <laughs> like a lizard's tail i like how these guys are like we just love balls so much that we need them in the refrigerator right by our bed we can't just go downstairs to the <laughs> kitchen and get the balls it's like i need these balls within like arm's reach
2: do you think they spewed each other to fall asleep at night looking at the freezer both like with a little smile on their face being like we have a wonderful hobby
1: Do you think while they're having sex, they were teabagging each other with severed testicles? You think so? Yeah. (laughs) You just said that so convincingly, like, have you done this, Kate?
2: It's on my list.
1: It's on the bucket list.
2: They both face felony counts of conspiracy to commit unlicensed surgery, performing unlicensed surgery, maiming, as well as assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, the Oklahoman reports. They face additional misdemeanor counts for failure to bury, ha- harvest body, t- body parts, and drug-related charges. The bail has been set for each at $295,000.
1: a lot of Speaking- money there. So failure... To bury a dead human body part that's a charge?
2: Yes, apparently so. And for harvesting the body parts.
1: That's kind of weird. Harvesting- so if you just had so if you just had a pair of balls, you're supposed to just bury the balls?
2: Yeah, like because you haven't buried them, you won't get in trouble.
1: A, <laughs> I find that just really odd though, that it's like, okay, I have one finger, but you gotta bury that finger.
2: Yeah, or that. if not, you're gonna be in very big trouble. Well,
1: apparently young man. <laughs> I don't have two hundred thousand dollars.
2: Here he comes back again, my favorite sheriff. Speaking to reporters, Sheriff Derryberry. You know, right, in England, your berries is a slang for um testicles. Is that is that a slang <laughs> your over there?
1: Berries. No, <laughs> your I guess you guys have so many different euphemisms for for testicles. I what can't even do, keep track of them.
2: There's many, but Dairy's
1: dairy berry berries. Could probably...
2: <laughs> berry, dairy, berries berries. He said that the gruesome discovery was not common in the area. He's pointing it out. It's not common. Oh, I can't good. say it's cult activity. It's something that we have never in my career run across in this part of the country, he said. It is borderline some type of activity. We know there's a lot of rumours out there, but at this time, there's no danger to the public.
1: Oh, I'm surprised it's not common in Oklahoma to find two men living in a cabin with a <laughs> mini fridge in their bedroom filled with balls. Or should I say it's berries?
2: Filled with berries. The filled fruits with of berries. The berries. The sheriff said that the victim, who has not been named, flew from Virginia to Dallas and then drove to the cabin in southeast Oklahoma after coming into contact with Alan, through a website offering discount castrations and sex reassignment surgery and describes it that described itself as the eunuch maker and the EM crew.
1: (laughs) All right. That's the first red flag. Discounted (laughs) (laughs) um, castration surgery. You you don't want to do that at a discount. You want to go to a doctor for that.
2: The EM crew totally reminds me of, like, you know, it would be in the 90s releasing some techno song, wouldn't it? The EM crew.
1: (laughs) Wearing a tracksuit. I just wonder, like, what does the EM stand for?
2: Unic maker.
1: Oh, unic maker crew. Like, we're the unic maker crew.
2: The unic maker and the EM crew in this house.
1: (laughs) All right, mate. Let me see them (laughs) balls. I'm about we're to chop them, them off. And we're mate.
2: Ancient. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're about to be a eunuch.
2: But we're as serious as cancer when we say we're going to cut your testicles
1: off. <laughs> a M. crew in the M. house. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, that would be to me alarming if I was considering having my testicles removed and the guy's like, yeah, I'm not a doctor, but I got a crew. With the EM crew. Yeah,
2: but I have castrated many a cow in my time.
1: Which probably does happen in Oklahoma. I would still be alarmed and probably not go. Just a little. Although, although if you do want to have your balls removed, I bet you it's hard to find a legitimate doctor that's willing to do that. Because I think you'd go to the doctor and be like, I don't want these testicles anymore. And they'd be like, why? I don't want them. I don't like looking at them. I don't like feeling them. I just want them gone. I think most doctors would be like, you need to see a psychiatrist.
2: Yeah, well, it's against the Hippocratic oath, isn't it? To they they can't berries? do anything that promotes self-harm. Um, they would all consider it self-harm.
1: Yeah, so, so I guess you do you have to, have to, to go cut to off some berries. You have to go yeah, to when some when the
2: doctors took the oath, I will not cut off berries <laughs> unless they're cancerous. <laughs>
1: so I guess you have to go to some backwoods cabin to some guy named Bobby Lee and Tommy <laughs> yes. Evans to cut your nuts off. That's, that's great. Worked.
2: So Alan reportedly told the victim that he had some 15 years of castration and related genital surgery experience, and he warned that he videotapes the surgery for personal use. According to the affidavit reported by the Oklahoman, Alan said that the surgery wouldn't cost him anything. So there's your other red flag, isn't it? Somebody <laughs> well, there's saying several that he's going to record there.
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> he's recording it and he's not charging you anything.
2: Yeah. So that means this guy's going to wake
1: to this video later.
2: Here's the sexiest bit. The victim, who was awake, but oh, had nerves God. deadened in the pugic area for the two-hour procedure, according to the affidavit, told investigators that Alan performed the surgery on a covered dining room table and Gates handed him surgical equipment.
1: Oh my God. They just put a tablecloth down and they're just like, here's the operating Mm -hmm. room.
2: I have deadened many a nerves in a man's pubic area over a two hour procedure before. (laughs) That's just
1: a quiet Saturday night. (laughs) This is frightening. This is basically Oklahoma chainsaw massacre.
2: It is, and they look, I don't know if you've seen pictures of these two, but they look very Texas Chainsaw massacre uh,
1: And they're, like, but they're did,
2: smiling in the hillbillies
1: there. hillbillies and beards?
2: They are very hillbilly. Okay. After the surgery, Alan informed the victim that he intended to consume the parts, and he laughed that he was a cannibal, according to the affidavit. I wish I would stop saying according to the affidavit. The victim then said that Alan relayed stories of past patients, including one man who he described to be crazy, saying that he had left the mail opened up to die overnight. Alan also said that he had six more clients scheduled for the same procedure, and he had a freezer with body parts, and he showed him pictures on his phone. After the victim started to hemorrhage, Alan rushed the 28-year-old to the hospital, according to the Oklahoman, saying, No morgue, no ER. (laughs) There's his (laughs) chant. And he gave instructions to tell the medics that he had done it to himself.
1: Yeah, that, that's really going to work. What were his Yelp reviews? Like, <laughs> you'd think this guy would have at least looked him up on Yelp to see what other people were saying. If he's, if he's castrating six people in a day, don't you think you'd want to see how many stars he has?
2: Oh, He just had six months clients scheduled, you know, so he could just, you know, that could be over a period of years.
1: Okay, so over a period of months or years or something like that. God. Yeah, I mean, co- so, come
2: on! You can't be cutting off six. That's like what twelve bollocks in one day. That's like a lot.
1: So he's just like hemorrhaging blood everywhere. He's dying. Oh, he's
2: pissing blood. He's yeah, pissing blood he, out of his out of his genitals. Severed everywhere.
1: And they take him to the hospital, and he's just like, "I did it. I'm sorry." And they're just like, "Well, where's your balls? I don't know."
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> it's in a refrigerator with these two really creepy hillbillies.
2: I love how he told them how his chant was "No morgue, no ER." <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I'm I'm not gonna die, but I also can't go to the ER. What? He's a mentalist. So local officials were alerted by the hospital, and they tracked down Allen and Gates and the freezer filled with the testicles <laughs>
1: in the bedroom. Yeah, the bedroom It, it gets
2: even. Gets better. This incident is similar to a 2019 incident in Flint, Michigan. That is also making news. On Wednesday, Matt L- Latowinski, 51, was deemed fit to stand trial for allegedly murdering, mutilating, and eating the testicles of his 25 year old grinder date last December. You should tell your brother to watch out. God,
1: I think we did that story too.
2: <laughs> there's a lot of testicle eating going on I'm sick <laughs> well, as soon as I
1: see testicles <laughs> being severed and eaten anything with cannibal in the headline I'm like ah we gotta do this story
2: cannibals are definitely one of my favorite like things to read about cause it is like such an unknown thing cannibals
1: well, I just love how they like they just cut this kid's nuts off and then they're just like so we're gonna eat them just to let you know we're gonna eat your nuts and this kid's just Ooh. like fuck and then he just starts bleeding out
2: we're both vegetarians, but if you were somewhere and they said, I have human flesh, do you want to try it? Would you try human flesh?
1: Hard pass. I wouldn't even <laughs> well, want animal flesh. No, I, wouldn't even want, I don't even eat animal flesh. Why would I eat human flesh?
2: I would eat the forbidden flesh. I, w- I want to know what it tastes like, but I would eat it. I'd try it.
1: All right, what if it was like a sphincter, like just like a like a calamari? No,
2: I I want like a cut <laughs> of a flank.
1: Oh, uh, you would just do yeah. But what if it's like we only I'm have gonna sphincters? I'm
2: going to eat some fucking sphincter. <laughs> well, uh, then it's a hard pass. <laughs> I'm going to eat a sphincter.
1: All right, what if it was just foreskins? <laughs>
2: I've had plenty of foreskin in my mouth <laughs> in my
1: time. <laughs> like I'm sick of eating those.
2: Oh, I'm sick of eating all the foreskins now. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, is that not what you guys do at your bris? Do they not just cut it off and then they fry it up with some gefilte fish? No, the rabbi it pickles everyone?
1: it, and he eats it once a year on the Feast of the Rachmachel. <laughs> is,
2: that, is that how golems are made?
1: <laughs> no, it's just, it's <laughs> a tradition. It's, you know, it's in the Torah. I'm dead serious. <laughs> He wears like a straw hat. It's like about like almost, I'd say it looks like a sombrero, like a six foot diameter. Mm-hmm. And he eats them once a year during the Is feast. this what
2: gives him his rabbi powers?
1: Well, it helps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it helps him remember the Hebrew verse.
2: Fun times.
1: <laughs> and then he goes to his freezer filled with balls.
2: I like how they had a freezer filled with bottles. Like, what are they keeping them for?
1: Could you imagine what the cops must have thought? Like, they're in there searching the cab, and they're just like, holy shit, there's a freezer filled with nuts.
2: I can imagine all the policemen just, like, grabbing (laughs) their nuts and going. (laughs) Like that, just a room full of that. And all the men just going, I can't hear this story. I can't hear it. I guarantee one of
1: those assholes pulled out a thing of nuts and threw it at another guy. Because those dudes are all, they're they're all like that, you know, they're all like former jocks for the most part, except for the one goody good, who's just like, don't put the balls back (laughs) in the refrigerator, put the balls back in the freezer, you dicks.
2: They are evidence. (laughs) (laughs) That's evidence. So they have like, and I'd also like to know, so they have to keep evidence for the trial and whatnot, but obviously they can't keep a freezer full of bollocks. So (laughs) has that been incinerated? Did, that, did all these balls just get chucked in a fire?
1: I would want my balls given back to me. I probably would be like, "Well, those are my balls," and I'd probably. So I'm you can hoping, put them in
2: your freezer.
1: Or I could bury them in my backyard next to my cat. You know.
2: Yeah, but no. What you should do is keep them in your freezer, and then when somebody comes around to your house and passes out, you can teabag <laughs> them. Teabag them.
1: them. <laughs> you know what I'd probably do? I'd probably bronze them like a baby shoe. <laughs> And put them on my mantle and be like, those are my balls. I had them removed by a weird hillbilly in a cabin in the woods in the middle of Oklahoma.
2: You can say that when your wife left you, she cut your balls off.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe I should just are. send it to her. Like, you know, it's like a symbol, like a metaphor.
2: Yeah. If you ever get divorced, you can be like, the balls go to you <laughs> because you clearly took them off me.
1: So did Dairy Berry keep the berries? <laughs>
2: Sheriff Derryberry.
1: <laughs> it's so um, like Andy Griffith show or something.
2: In my mind, Sheriff Derryberry looks like Tommy Lee Jones in No Country for Old Men, but he's investigating <laughs> testicles <laughs> instead of Mexican cartels.
1: He probably, he probably does. He's just really serious about it.
4: Yeah, like in The Fugitive. Balls.
1: <laughs> wow. So what happened to these guys? Are they oh they're in jail for or they're being held? Yeah, they've got a crazy amount of
2: bail. I think they're gonna be fine in fine in jail. Something tells me that they're gonna just be okay.
1: I read that Derryberry added that there's there have been lots of rumors about this case, which I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Do you imagine the rumors in these this small Oklahoma city?
2: I could just imagine all the men of the town grabbing their balls about five times a day and going (laughs) like that. Because they'll just remember it. Yeah, ooh, why say. would you take another man's manhood like that, I, but these eunuchs.
1: Berry, Berry says, at this time, there's no danger to the public because the EM mm-hmm. crew is locked up, Yo. <laughs> you know.
3: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> People, send your story to Zingron Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But before we get to that, here's a spooky message from Adam and
3: Eve.
0: Hey, sick and wrong listeners. This is Trucker Paul. I got to tell you about this wonderful porno place where you can buy jack-off machines, dildos, inflatable wives. I have bought them all. When I go home, I like to fiddle my wife with a, a little dildo. When I'm on the road, I got my second wife, my blow doll, and my jack-off sleeve. Go to adamandeve.com. Type in the word, fiddle. B-I-D-D-L-E, And you'll get 50% off all your masturbation machines. How do y'all flick my balls?
3: I put a spell on you.
1: So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323 4032 is that number. Uh, the first call is exceptionally spooky. This is a spooky call right here. It's a creepy ghost story. I don't recall yes. if it involves ghost rape, but I'm assuming it probably does. I hope so.
4: Hi, Sick and Wrong. Uh, I'm an 18-year-old from the UK, and I have a... Not a shit story, but a kind of weird, creepy horror story. Uh, I know it's not that time of year. Obviously, I missed Halloween. But uh, yeah, I'm a long time listener and a first time caller, and I thought I would tell you this uh, short sort of story uh, to just you know get some get some brainstorming going on. See what you guys think. It's fucking creepy. Okay, so when i was about five i used to be really energetic like most kids uh i used to run around the house constantly you know pissing off my parents making them hit me with various objects around the house Uh, (laughs) this
1: is why i don't want to have kids
2: same but have you been holding on to this call for a year
1: i don't know i found it like and I, yeah. you know, I have a shitload of calls I've downloaded and I kind of go through and I got this like organizational thing that I do where I like label it something. But I think I miss this one because this guy yeah, even mentions says, wackily. It's not
2: Halloween. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. He mentions I he, wackily he's like, in it.
2: <laughs> I bet he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm 18 and he's listening to it now and he's like, now I'm 32. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My bollocks are in a freezer. Oh, yeah sure he's buried was one of them
4: and uh i ducked and uh <laughs> it missed and hit my mom's friend right in the face which was quite funny but that's a different story so you know you know when you're kids you like to play that game uh you know where you pretend the floor is lava or fire and you have to jump across the sofas and over the tables and shit uh well i used to do a lot of that but i also used to like the jumping uh off heights for some reason uh and- you know, I used to do
1: that when I was a kid. Did you do that when you were a kid?
2: Yeah, I think every kid has played the lava game. We used to pretend that the, also the floor was water and Jaws was coming.
1: Was Jaws like your drunk dad? <laughs> 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 you know, I remember one of, one of uh, my earlier memories, before I even moved to South Africa, um, my father's mother, I can't remember even remember her name now. Millie, Millicent. She was a very like English proper English woman. She like I think worked for like Vogue for a while, like UK Vogue oh, wow. or something. Like she was very like a fashion oriented lady. Um, and she thought we were wild, the three of us. Like she thought yes, we were wild, did. and she thought it was all my. She used to call tell she's like you've raised. Uh, What she says, you raised a group of monsters. They're monsters. But I remember like, I was obsessed with this little seven inch of the Jungle Book that had the song. You remember the Jungle Book? It had the song that Baloo sang. I want to be like you, talk like you. I was obsessed. Walk like you, too.
3: (laughs) That was my favorite
1: thing. I used to dance around like a fucking hooligan to that shit. Anyway, I knocked a a lamp over and it fucking sliced my foot open. And I remember Mm -hmm. she was just like, didn't even help me. She was just like, that's what you get for acting like a monster. (laughs) And I remember just being like fucking four years old, bleeding all over the ground, being like, and like my mom like runs over and was just like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) like help him. I like,
2: I like your grandmother, Cruella Deville. My oh. grandmother said the same thing about us, but she said we were gypsies, not monsters, gypsies. which is more racist. But she is a northern <laughs> woman, so like, of course, she's racist.
1: surprised She was like, "You bunch of Jews,
4: you terrible <laughs> little Jews. That's what you are.
2: Jews, <laughs> you Jewish monsters."
4: <laughs> One day, I decided it would be a good idea to jump from the top of these stairs. Uh, you know, so stairs, it was about 12 foot, 13 foot high.
1: Jesus, that's kind of high actually.
4: It wasn't a set of stairs. It turned 90 degrees at the bottom, about the last three know, four foot, it turned 90 degrees. And uh, I decided to jump off this once.
1: Uh, Wait, I don't get it. He said it was like 12 feet up, but it had a 90 degree turn. Mm -hmm. So was he jumping off yes. like six feet, like halfway down? Or was he jumping the no, full 12 feet?
2: I imagine like from the top of the stairs, you can see the stairs at the bottom but as it's turned. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but it turns. So he'll be how jumping from the top ju- onto
2: the bottom stairs.
1: But how far is that? He's like still 12 jumping feet?
2: 12 feet.
1: Oh, okay. And yeah, then it but- turns down to the right angle. down. Okay. All right.
4: That makes sense. Yeah. So I climb to the top and no shit, without any hesitation at all, I just jump, like automatically I just jump, I'm not scared or anything. Kids don't give a fuck. And at the second my feet leave the the, uh, floor, my vision goes completely black, I feel myself get carried down the flight of stairs uh, for about a second, maybe, maybe not even that long. I drop right on the bottom step my body has turned 90 degrees and i land it feels like i've been sort of dropped from like a centimeter high my legs my whole body is completely rigid and i land perfectly on the bottom step now
1: covered in ghost cum (laughs) that's what happened (laughs) that is weird this is weird
4: mom was the only person in the house but right after this happened i ran and looked around for her in the house to find her so you know i'm obviously i'm not on fucking crack as far as i know i don't have brain damage or at least i didn't then uh you know i've been punched many times since but yeah so i'm not sure whether you guys believe in ghosts or not i don't think it was a ghost if i'm honest i don't know what the fuck it was but it definitely changed my outlook on things. So anyway, keep keep it wrong. Peace.
1: So that is weird. That's weird.
2: I, I think it's like he may believe that happened, but probably what happened is he jumped and he was so full of adrenaline he can't remember it properly. Because like kids don't make reliable witnesses. Yeah. yeah, maybe he got his his first like little knock on the noggin and he just can't remember. Cause I remember I've had lucid dreams ever since I was a child, and I had a very vivid lucid dream that I'd been run over. And the next day, I was talking to my mum about it. I must have been like six, and I said, "Oh, remember that time I got knocked over?" And she Wait, was
1: like, you "Run over or Kate. knocked over? It was over. a dream. Run over or knocked over? Like Knocked run over, over by an automobile? Like run yeah, over by, by an automobile? Like by a car?"
2: Yeah. And it happened at like the end. And I just remembered it so vividly. And I remembered all my bruises and I was talking to this about it with Who was her, driving the car, no, Wallace a or Gromit? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> Searching for crackers.
1: Did you have bruises? Um, like, were you like, it why was like, would you I mentioned
2: you- it. It was like, it had happened in the past. So I said it to her. I was like, remember that time I got knocked over. And she explained to me what a dream was. But, like, I've had vivid dreams my whole life. So it wouldn't say, yeah, kids are unreliable witnesses. Don't, don't, they lie as well. Don't believe a
1: child. I don't put much stock in kids. I You know, that's the thing. I don't, yeah. I wouldn't. It would have. I Make would have to have seen it. Yeah, I would have had to have yeah. to be there and and see him being carried down the stairs and being put like a perpendicular angle, you know, at the bottom stair. Because I feel sure you probably fell, knocked your head, rolled down the stairs, and woke up on that bottom stair. You're like, "Mummy, a ghost!"
2: And plus, adrenaline you don't have a good memory when your body is coursing full of adrenaline. You may think you do, but you do not. So, yeah. Whatever he wants to believe is fine with him, though, although he apparently hasn't helped his life because he <laughs> listens to this
3: podcast.
1: Exactly. Well, it um, is a creepy story. And speaking of creeps, here's call number two.
3: Hey, this is Tony. Um, To the jokes about Harrison and I, I have to say this it's serious business because
1: Marshall Island Tony, right here.
2: An odorous creature, but I enjoy <laughs> it. I enjoy him.
1: He is a vile creature. This man. Um, there have there have been a lot of jokes with Marshall Island Tony and Harrison, thinking that Harrison left the show to be in some kind of like gay relationship with Tony. <laughs> I, you know, I doubt that would have ever happened. But um, opposites
2: do attract.
1: That is true. Opposites do mm-hmm. attract
3: rona um canceled all the flights so i haven't been like to thailand philippines for a year now so i already was on edge and then <laughs> to lose harrison on top of that is a real freaking kicking the balls
1: <laughs> a kick in the berries
2: Is martial on totally from like fucking fargo or somewhere you <laughs> can't even sweat a real kick in the balls eh? <laughs>
1: I don't know where this guy's from originally. I just know he likes to travel around the world and have sex with ground sc- people.
2: Yes, he likes sexual tourism.
1: Yeah, no, he's definitely a sex tourist. Um, I can't tell if he's being sincere here or not because Harrison <laughs> hated this man. <laughs> However, I do think they should be trapped in an elevator together for a few hours and just you know sort out their differences.
3: You get out. One well, they that saved me is uh, you know, here in Japan they've kept cases low without ever doing a lockdown. So bars and stuff are pretty much open as usual. So that's a good thing. No, not that ever let a fear of a virus or disease to cramp my style. And uh, one ray of sunshine I can see in this mess is that you no, know, hopefully with all the you no know, desperation and poverty this mess is calling causing them there should be some real deals in the human flesh markets when this is all over. So maybe that's where we'll find Harrison. Anyway, later. Such an odious
1: creature, this guy.
2: I've got to say, I do admire Marshall, Antonio, because I also enjoy a deal.
1: <laughs> so when, when you get a chance a to take advantage of a too, bargain. Tony. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anthony, I also like
1: deals. (laughs) There's a bargain. You might as well take advantage of it. So it sounds like uh, Tony's in Japan right now. I wonder what Tony does for a living. I have no idea. He's a man of mystery, this guy. He's a perverted man of mystery. That's what Marshall Island Tony is. You know, Tony, you can keep calling. I know Harrison hated you and hated playing your calls, but I actually kind of enjoy your calls because... Yeah, they're they're you're a deviant, and I like hearing about it.
2: Um, I like his stories. He certainly lived a a weathered life, hasn't he?
1: <laughs> a colorful <laughs> life, to say the least. A
2: colorful, weathered life yeah. of Marshall Island Tony. <laughs> I
1: anyway, want to know if he's
2: from Minnesota or Hawaii or somewhere.
1: Like where he's from originally?
2: Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear a tale from his childhood. How has he become Marshall Island Tony? I
1: want to know. How did Marshall Island Tony lose his virginity?
2: Oh, that's a good. I also want to know that question.
1: That's what I want to know. Was Mm -hmm. it ghost rape?
2: (laughs) He wishes. It's like the only thing he hasn't done.
1: (laughs) All right. Here's the last call here is from Jay, a guy named Jay in Kansas City.
0: What's up, sick and wrong? This is Jay from Kansas City. I'm just calling in with a story from my childhood about how one of my friends pissed in somebody's Gatorade and almost got us all shot. So when we were... That happens a lot in Kansas City. That's pretty common.
2: Which Kansas City? There's two of them. Which one? The good one or the bad one?
1: Yeah, Kansas City, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. I think they're both bad, to be honest. I
2: imagine that. If this is a, a tale about pissing and guns, it's probably the Bad Kansas City.
0: Up, I think it was seventh grade. I had these two friends who didn't know each other. Uh, one of them was like a local skate rat kid I'd met that year, and the other was some was someone I'd grown up with, known all my life, and he was all sorts of fucked up because he watched <laughs> his dad kill his mom with a shotgun and had to go live with his aunt and uncle. Jesus,
1: <laughs> god that's terrible could you imagine enjoying
2: this the slight southern like little tilt to his voice quite like that it.
1: lilt he's got you know he's probably yeah. from missouri i would say
2: yeah i could go for like you know we could go for like a dinner together and i could listen to his stories
1: god, could you imagine seeing your dad murder your mom and then having to live with your aunt and uncle and just, like, forget that that happened?
2: I would have liked to to have seen it happen the other way around.
1: (laughs) Did your mom murder your dad?
2: Yeah, I would have been in the back going...
0: Daddy drank!
2: (laughs) Daddy drank!
0: (laughs) And so his aunt and uncle is where we all decided that we were going to meet up and hang out and introduce them for the first time. So it's those two, me, and another friend, and we're all chilling. Uh, And the aunt and uncle are gone, so we get into the liquor cabinet, pull out a bunch of vodka.
1: Did you do that as a young, a young lassie? Did you ever break into your parents' or your friend's parents' liquor cabinet?
2: I had a friend whose mom would always just like give out booze. So you didn't have to break. She was one of those cool moms who was like, I'd rather you do it in the house than go outside and do it with people you don't know. But all we'd do is, is we'd take the booze and we'd go to the park and give it out to other kids.
1: What about, So that like, never works. What did your dad drink?
2: My dad d- drank wine and whiskey.
1: Did you ever steal any of his whiskey?
2: No, because it was impossible to get hold of it.
1: Well, he must have he had, had several bottles. Did he have a liquor cabinet? In cabin? his
2: room. In his room, Wait, no. He had, like,
1: a refrigerator in his room with all his whiskey and beer?
2: Well, not a fridge. Just had it hanging out. But you're not going to go in his room to, like, steal his whiskey.
1: He had it right by the bed.
2: He, yeah. Well, he would drink it so fast. You, there's no guarantee that you're going to go in there and be like, oh, my God, there's going to be booze in here. And
1: so my you mom didn't never really just drink. Like, oh, okay, so you never could. Because what we used to do... Now, the rabbi, the the only booze he ever had was Manischewitz, which doesn't really count. The rabbi didn't Mm -hmm. really drink that much. And my mother didn't really drink that much either. So we never really had much at home. But my friends, like what we would do is just steal a bottle of booze, pour like half of it into like a jar or another container, and then fill the rest up in water. And just put it back. And that's what we used to Mm -hmm. do. And
0: it worked pretty good, actually. Yeah start mixing it down with the Gatorade from the fridge. Everything's going good. At some point, the kid whose house it was decides to go to the bathroom, so he leaves the room, at which point the skate skater jackass wannabe kid, like, it's like, hey, guys, I'm going to piss in this kid's uh fucking drink and, you know, don't say shit, and so... We were all dumb and we that's didn't say anything. Fucking, he come- that's a shitty thing to do.
2: It is a shitty thing to do, but it also happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you done this?
2: No, but I'd be like, it's going to be warm. As soon as he like, picks up the cup, he's going to be like, why is my drink warm?
1: You're not going like, to be like, you're not going to try to deter him from doing that. You're going to be like, it's going to be warm. So he's going to know.
2: You would like to think that, okay, he'll take one sip and then be like, you fuckers. But yeah, if he started glugging it down, I'd be like, no, skate rat, stop. <laughs> stop
0: what you're like doing. He's like drinking it and the kid's like smirking. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? What's up? And he's like, oh, I, I fucking pissed in your drink, man. I pissed in your drink. And this kid proceeds to just like flip out and start yelling and he walks into another room at which point he pulls out a big ass rifle and has it like pointed and obviously knows how to work it and at that point the skater (laughs) shit grabs a fucking pool ball off the billiard table and they're sitting there like Mexican standoff in front of each other the kids like talking about he's gonna shoot him and the other kids like i'm gonna fucking throw this this pool ball in your face and meanwhile i think i would trust the guy with the gun
1: i if i was <laughs> to bet here i'd bet the money on the guy with the gun you know instead of the pool ball but maybe that's just me because i have shitty aim.
0: me and my other buddy are just like sitting to the side of it all like uh Guys, 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 <laughs> and they they, they sat so... there for a good two minutes threatening each other as seventh graders, and we, I think we ended up somehow talking them both off the ledge, <laughs> at which point I think that was my last time ever going to that kid's house, and I think he ended up in military boot camp where he was kind of like uh
2: where he belongs abused
0: full metal jacket style and the skater kid ended up a heroin addict that's it
2: where he belongs too
0: <laughs> well it seems like everybody
1: got their justice hurt there you know
2: oh, you're in 7th grade
1: are you 15 Uh no 7th grade would be about 13 or 14
2: mm-hmm. vodka as well Vodka's is a powerful a powerful drink it, like really changes some people when they drink
1: vodka the thing is with them i noticed this in michigan it's like a lot of these kids are trained not really trained i mean they're just like their dads are like i'm a hunter and you learn to hunt and and you know use a rifle and Early a on. handgun when you're like fucking in sixth grade Some fifth grade with some of these kids, and that that was one of the things my father used to find hilarious when we moved out from South Africa to Michigan. Is he was like, These kids can't come to their bar mitzvah classes because I have to go to hunters' weekend. And it was like, Yeah, that's what would happen at like school. You know, the I think it was like one week in November, parents would take their kids out for like a week and a half. Just to go hunting for deer,
2: yeah,
1: which is just bizarre to me. Isn't that bizarre? That's
2: bizarre. Well, that's bizarre to me because that that doesn't happen over here (laughs) at all.
1: It shouldn't happen anywhere. (laughs) It's like uh, I think education is a little more important than killing these creatures. To me, personally, however, I can understand where this guy's coming from. It's like this kid's probably in seventh grade. He learned how to use a rifle at an early age. He's fucking. A kid and he freaks the fuck out because he just drank this other guy's urine.
2: And obviously his dad um, likes to solve his problems with guns as well.
1: Yeah. You know, it reminds me of uh, when I was in ninth grade, we had this teacher named Mrs. Tim who, she must have been like 92. She was so old and she was the English teacher (laughs) and her fingers were all gnarled. She kind of looked like Mumra from Thundercats. And she would like come over and she'd put her gnarled arthritic fingers on her shoulder and she'd be like, ah, you did a good job. And she was just like so creepy. But she would always drink a tab. And Mrs. Tim, who should have retired like two decades earlier, would just like, leave she'd be like here's a vocabulary exam and she would leave the room for like i don't know half an hour to go take a piss because (laughs) I i imagine it must be difficult and so during that time everyone would cheat but the other thing is like some of the meaner kids thought it was really funny to go piss in her tab and so she had a tab that was in a cup and they would just like sit there pissing it and then pissing all her plants. So all her plants were always dying. And she'd be like, "I don't know why my fern is dying." But then she would say that and then go and drink this tab. And I remember being like I mean, it was amusing, don't get me wrong, but at the same time I thought you shouldn't do that. It's not right didn't for you to piss. Didn't tab
2: taste like piss, anyways?
1: Yeah. From the I stories guess.
2: I've heard about tab didn't I it taste like piss, so <laughs> she probably could tell the difference. <laughs> and like you don't really have taste buds at that age. Like I don't hey, know. I just the piss thought could have like, been like this... an elixir keeping her alive.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was the urine of young children that kept her going. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, people call the on hotline 323-522-4032. We got one email from a guy named Dan. He says, hey, D, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but Glenn Danzig made a horror movie called Veronica, and it's fucking so bad. It's not even close (laughs) to being good because it fucking sucks. Apparently, based on his graphic novel or something, it's terrible in every way. He made himself director of photography and did the soundtrack as you'd expect. But there's so many amateur mistakes, it can't possibly be deliberate. I still can't understand why everybody was French. Please review it with somebody on your show. Keep it sick, keep it wrong, and keep being a good cunt. Regards, Dan from Straya. So this is Dan from Australia here.
2: Australia? Hello, Um, Dan. I don't know what part of Australia he's from.
1: He's probably from, you know, actually, that wasn't bad.
2: I've been told that I do a really good Perf accent. I just (laughs) lost it a little bit then. I'm sorry.
1: Can you do Adelaide?
2: Adelaide, you fucking cunts.
1: (laughs) That's where the balls touch. And I think that's where Dan's Mm -hmm. from. Um, yeah, You know, I actually, not only have I seen that movie, I went to the premiere of that movie at the Ricardo oh, Montalban Theater. Yeah, just to brag was a little Danzig bit. Was Danzig
3: there?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was a premiere. It was Danzig was there, and then afterwards, he did a Q&A where he came out with, like, all the porn stars, because it was all porn stars in the movie. The porn stars, Have you, stars, seen, the, yeah, that's why have you seen the movie? I've
2: seen, like, 20 minutes of it. Oh, it's because terrible. Because I... I like have um I have a short fuse for films regardless. But even that I was like, this is
1: But you love Danzig though.
2: I love Danzig. He's like one of my favorite people. But if I ever met him, I would never mention that film to him. And if he (laughs) made me talk about it, I'd be like, Well, I'm really sorry, but you must know how awful it it truly is.
1: It was funny because he was acting like it was like like he was the next Dario Argento Dario Argento, Yeah, because like like,
2: he mentions him in interviews well, about in how every that's who he based the film on.
1: It was an Italian Diallo horror film. And, you know, when I was working no, with the not. actresses, I was like, you know, put yourself in the character. Like, think about this is a Parisian Spider-Man like a man who's a spider no. and he's coming to attack you. How would you feel? And these girls are all porn stars. All of them. Everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all the ones up there. Actually, I think every actor in that movie was a porn star. Um, but you know what? It's funny. If you want to get super stoned and watch something hilarious, you should go check out Veronica Danzig's movie. I'd definitely. Yeah, enjoy it's probably it. good
2: to watch at this time of year as well.
3: Yeah, it no, it's, it's topical. Like, such
2: a silly kind oh, of,
1: good.
2: yeah. But, no, I don't think I could ever make my way through it.
1: He was so fucking serious about it, though. You're just like, oh, wow, this guy's a real tour here. <laughs> uh, well, but he's it, a
2: serious man, isn't he, Danzig?
1: He was, yeah. But it was cool going to the premieres the Ricardo mm. Manoban. And there are a bunch of random people there, like Thomas Jane. And Fred Armisen. Oh, I
2: love him. Yeah,
1: just some random people. Thomas
2: Jane is my birthday twin. He's born on the same day as me. That's why I love him. But he's, he's a very a, good actor. Apparently, I think he's a very big Danzig
1: fan. I don't know. Yeah. Well, was... this
2: makes me like him even on a date one day.
1: Well, there are a bunch of other people. Like Des Cadena was there, and like a bunch of other like rocker people. But which makes sense. But like Thomas Jane, yeah. Fred Armisen, I was I was kind of surprised by that. It was a good time. Yeah. Definitely check it out, Veronica. Uh, people, best way to support shows by becoming a Sick and Wrong patron. Patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today. We do appreciate it. Um, I um, am planning on a new Sick and Wrong 3.0 revamp of the Patreon. Now that we have Kate on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, she has a lot of rewards to offer. She's a famous pub rocker. One of the most famous pub rockers in England. (laughs) Next to Eddie and the Hot Rods. I don't know if you know that band, but you should. The best band. Yeah, Kate kind of follows in that same vein. She's a famous pub rocker. And she has lots of sexy cheesecake, like, promo photos for the band. Um,
2: Well, not for the band, just for Sick and Wrong exclusive that will never be shown anywhere, ever.
1: So you have a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff to put on the Patreon. There's
2: there's other stuff. It's not just going to be cheesecake pictures.
1: Well, there's going to be some cheesecake photos. And not to mention, there's going to be like uh, some some, uh, music and a bunch of other shit. So we're going to be redoing the entire Patreon. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Unreleased
2: Asian babes songs that no one will have ever heard.
1: Tons of unreleased shit. So go to Patreon.com/sickandwrong. Sign up today. Also, we have a new T Public store, which which uh, recently launched, resurrected all of the old Sick and Wrong uh, shirts and designs. We even have Sick and Wrong masks. Uh, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's actually, you know, a couple of people sent me some of the shirts. Like we have a Sikranon like rainbow shirt, like the Sikranon mm-hmm. shirt which kind of similar to the logo of the group that we have on Facebook. Some guys sent me a picture of him wearing that in uh Osland and it looks fucking good. So uh, go to Yeah, uh, I'm going to get
2: the cheap trick on.
1: Oh, the, the T-shirt. Yeah, you should. You know, part of the thing is is yeah. uh, they do random sales. So, like, we have this account manager now that will be, like, hit, hit me up and be like, we got 30% sale going off this weekend. So, people, I'll let you know on Facebook or on Patreon uh, when we have a sale coming up. And, uh, yeah, you can get some of the cool shirts there that they have. And I've heard that, like, some of the items, like the T-shirts are printed in... They also have, like, a, a printer in Europe, so it's a little cheaper for shipping. Mm-hmm. But the merch all comes from the States, so if you're going to try to order, like...
2: Oh, right, so...
1: Yeah, like a fucking sticker or something, or a pillow it's going to come from the States. But anyway, go to com slash shop and uh, go get some shit from the Tea Public store. Finally here, Stick Song of the Week. My favorite Halloween music. You know how, like, do you have some Halloween music you listen to every year on Halloween? Kate?
2: Um, I'm spooky all year round, D.
1: There's some, though, that are like my favorite Halloween records. Like, I love Legacy of Brutality by the Misfits. One of my favorite Halloween records. Yeah. I also love songs the Lord taught us. I love the Cramps in general. The Cramps... Are like for me synonymous with Halloween. And I think
2: they're just year-round for me. They're come on. They're like well, I, I, listen the
1: the, I listen to them I listen to them year-round. Blues
2: bands oh, the
1: rockabilly, psychobilly, They invented yeah. it. But mm-hmm. the thing is with the cramps, to me, I've always kind of found them synonymous with Halloween because every year they used to play the San Francisco Fillmore. And that was like it was yeah. a thing. It was a thing everybody did. Every year. You go check out the cramps on Halloween, like a tradition. And, you know, Lux actually just had a birthday, October 21st. He did?
2: Yeah, Yeah.
1: he's a Libra. Rest in power Mm -hmm. there, Lux. But just to see them live every year, I mean, I must have seen them like eight times probably.
2: Okay, don't rub it in.
1: I know. A (laughs) fucking great band. But you appreciate them as much as I do. So we're going to end the show here with a song that Kate picked out. From uh, the Cramps' Stay Sick album, which came out in 1990. Creature from the Black Leather Lagoon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um-
1: a great song from a great band. Anyway, have a safe and happy Halloween, people, and watch out for the rapey fucking ghosts that are running around. You don't want to get oh, ghost don't. raped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or don't, if, you, if you're into <laughs> that. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 764. Until then, take it sleazy.
3: You better ask my mama how to make a monster. <laughs> i from America
4: black a beautiful monster from all my outer space, too Learn how to shake my hips in my end of the sight I'm taking You in your tips and then i fight Come on,
1: been m-
0: many other spirits um that have come to visit you been, yeah. and some have lasted sort of one time but some yeah. have lasted a little bit longer yeah. do they do, are they very different sorts of relationships have they got different energies yeah you can always feel the difference the same just with with a human I guess you can just feel different presences so it's, different not, personalities. It's, not, it's not
4: the same one coming back 20 times no
0: no it's often different ones